Formerly at Jazz Sports, uh, now in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, uh, working with uh, Max Preps, and also uh, now a uh, law school student at uh, Arizona State as uh, he is training to get his uh, sports agent uh, master's degree. We'll uh, talk to him about what he's up to and uh, preview the weekend ahead and both college football, the NFL, and his thoughts on the MLB playoffs uh, when he joins us coming up later on. Plus, we have Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group as well as our top fullery story of the week, a Big 12 breakdown, and more coming up on today's show. Uh, you'll hear from Coach Bo later. You'll hear from Top Bridges later as well. So stay tuned for that. Uh, coming up in uh, just a bit. As uh, we begin today, uh, I'm sure many of you are wondering, will we or won't we be talking about Kelsey and Swift and that mania going on? And uh, I'll say this much. We will we'll do what we can to keep it to a minimum today. Uh but there's just some things you just can't avoid talking about. Uh, I understand, folks, that it has gotten over the top. It has gotten a bit ridiculous. But it's I'm entertained. I, I'm not going to lie. You know, I, I am somebody that I always am trying to find the further story um, beyond just the X's and O's. Uh and on this program, we have always talked what people are talking about. Um, the angle I, I, I want to point to this week on it, though, that, that I think is very fascinating, um, is, is where we're at coverage-wise, right? And not, not from this show, necessarily, but from everybody else. Uh, the NFL's social media accounts went all in this week, um, you know, referring to the the NFL itself as, uh, as Taylor's version and bragging about the Chiefs being 2-0 when she's in the building and, and everything here. And now we got Travis even saying that everything's over the top. Like, don't get me wrong. Trav, I love you. Travis, one of my uh, my favorite players in the league and uh, everything here, but come on, man. You brought this on yourself? Like, n- now Trav is going to complain about too much over-the-top coverage here. Like, Trav, you're the one bringing her the games. Travis, my guy, you are the one behind all of this that made this all happen. She doesn't have to be there. She's the one bringing, uh, you know, Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds and all that. Like, this is all you're making, bud. I, I don't want to hear Trav complaining about the media coverage now. Like, I mean, you loved all the spotlight, all the attention. And now Trav's complaining that's too much. I mean, is he wrong? No. But he's not the person to be saying this that should be saying all this. Uh, 
Um, so that that that's where I laugh and shake my head a bit. I'm like, okay, th- this is the wrong person to be delivering this message that it's over the top. Um, gosh, the, the the league, the way that they have pandered so much, it's it's comical. I know that there's you know these. Uh, you got your meathead football fans that could not care less at all uh, about all this and everything that are very frustrated and annoyed when they, they show her on TV and all this. But I, I, I got to say, folks, it's it's not that serious, right? You know, I mean, at the end of the day, this is a football game. This is the most famous woman in the world. Is over the top, yeah, but it's not... It's not something I'm losing sleep over that the NFL is obsessed with Taylor Swift. So this too shall pass. Um, but I'm very entertained by all of this. I, I This story the last couple of weeks, I didn't think it would get to this point. Um, I know uh, Big Cat is uh, under a little fire this week for some comments he made and, and everything. And, you know, you got this... It feels like, and I know that they're not married or anything, but it feels like we got this this shotgun marriage of sorts between the NFL and its fans and the so-called Swifties here of sorts. Um, and, you know, these two entities coming together and the NFL with its pandering and the Swifties learning about football and all this. Uh, I got to tell you, I I did not think it would get to this point. Things have gotten out of hand, sure. But Travis complaining? All right, come on. Come on, my guy. My gosh. Uh, Will Scott's got some opinions on this. He he is a, he's a Swifty himself and an NFL fan. So, you know, he's got some thoughts. We'll, we'll get to... I got to get what Will has to say when he joins us coming up later. But uh, we begin with a look around the National Football League, uh, as we do each week. And uh, I want to hit on some of the highlights uh, heading into the weekend, some of the things I'm watching for of sorts. Uh, tonight, Thursday night football, Bears and Commies. Uh, we'll talk more about this situation with Eberflus. Uh, when Bo joins us coming up later. But I got to say, this might be the end for Matt Eberflus. It's been nearly a calendar year since he's won a football game with the Chicago Bears. And now you take on this commander's team who isn't bad, two and two. You're on the road. You're nearly a touchdown underdog to Washington. I mean, my goodness. The, when if you lose here, I mean I, I don't. There's no recovering from this, right? I mean, in the situation, you know, the what they had with their defensive coordinator, Justin Fields hasn't come along like they thought they would. I think it's on the coaching staff more than anything. The offensive line still sucks like it has the last three years. What a mess! Um, I'm going to sit here and call right now. 
if the Bears lose tonight, Eberflus is getting that Lane Kiffin treatment. They're leaving him on the tarmac. Um, that's the type of thing I think we're looking at tonight for the Chicago Bears and what's going on in their situation there. Meanwhile, uh, some of the other highlights around the league this week. Bills uh, face the Jags. I got to say, credit to Buffalo for really moving past what happened week one. Um, you know, and we talked about media coverage earlier with Travis Kelsey. There is this anti-Josh Allen narrative out there um, that has just gotten ridiculous. That's gotten absurd. Um, I mean, you, you turn on ESPN, and I believe it was Dominic Foxworth the other day. Maybe it was Ryan Clark. I get, the, I get both guys mixed up. They're pretty much the same guy. Um, saying that you can't win a Super Bowl with Josh Allen. Like, what the hell? I mean, is, is that just stupid or what? Um, you know, nobody wants to give Josh Allen the credit he deserves. And, and we've sat here on this show, and, and I feel like we've been fair about Josh Allen. And we've said, hey, look, Josh Allen's an incredible quarterback, probably the third or fourth best quarterback in this league, but he turns the ball over too much, and he has a turnover problem. The, the talent, the ability, what he's done to win football games, you know, his receiving core beyond digs isn't that great. Um, I think he could use a little help there. And, and this whole anti-Josh Allen narrative has just gotten so out of hand and so ridiculous. So for the Bills to put up the performance they did last week against the Dolphins, what they've done since week one, uh, I'm happy for Josh Allen, and I hope that he keeps it up and continues to play a high level and just shuts up these dumbasses uh, that are out to get Josh Allen. What did Josh Allen do to hurt you? I mean, Josh Allen is, is one of the best quarterbacks on the planet, and we're going to sit here and act like he's a bum? I mean, come on. So more power to the Bills. Uh, I think that they're well. They're a different team than they were week one, and uh, they're well on their way there. Taking on Jacksonville, who um, I don't know what to make of Jacksonville. They've been a, they've been up and down, you know, inconsistent through these first four weeks. I expect the Bills to be okay this week, and going to London and everything, they should be just fine. Um, some other highlights uh, this week in the NFL. Ravens uh, facing the Steelers here. To me, this, this is all about the Ravens, not so much the Steelers here. And, and the Steelers, you know, they might be firing Matt Canada uh, after this if the offense doesn't show up. And, you know, Canada, I have no idea why he even got that job uh, there in Pittsburgh because he has been just stealing money every time that he cashes a paycheck, whether it was at LSU or Maryland or a number of places. He's never been a good offensive coordinator. Um, but the Ravens, you know, they're they're just trying to survive right now through all the injuries that they're dealt with. You know, they're out, you know, what is it, like six or seven starters right now. Um, they're just trying to survive. And so, you know, we saw them last week look great against the Browns. 
but then the week prior just lay an egg and lose to the, the lowly Colts in overtime. What Ravens team is going to show up? If the Ravens play their potential, they win. If they don't, um, if they make mistakes and get it all away, then the Steelers got a shot. But to me, this is more about Baltimore than it is uh, about Pittsburgh in uh, that game there. Um, Dolphins and Giants. The Giants are a disaster. Um, I got to say that watching that Monday night game, if you are a Giants fan, I mean, you just got to be banging your head against a window. And, like, you got to say just what the hell happened. You know, the Giants last year overachieved. They had momentum going into this year. And... I mean, everything's just falling apart. Daniel Jones looks awful. The offensive line is not any good. Evan Neal hasn't developed the way that they expected and spent a top 10 pick on him uh, out of Alabama last year. Um, the offensive line's just been a mess. Um, you know, and, and you look at what the Seahawks did. Just eating their lunch and beating them at every phase and the way the defense performed, getting 11 sacks there, it's over for the Giants. Um, things have escalated quickly. The, even the game they won against Arizona, they didn't look good. Giants got a lot of problems right now. Their season's over. The Dolphins, this is a team that's very interesting to me. You know, two is playing well. That offense uh, obviously can score points. Last week, they lose their first game to the Bills, um, where the Bills looked like them themselves, right? The Dolphins, uh, I think, are a team that, with that offense, they are going to be in pretty much every game they play this year. Uh, but that defense isn't going to hold up. It, it's like watching USC but on Sundays, essentially, is what you're looking at, I think, when you talk about the Miami Dolphins uh, there. Uh, other headlines this week. The uh, the Bengals in this Joe Burrow situation, you know, they're, they're about to play Arizona here. Arizona is surprising people. They, they've played much better than any of us could have ever anticipated. Uh, and they might be too good playing them out of a chance to get the number one pick and get Caleb Williams here. But with that said, Cincinnati, Joe Burrow does not look right. Uh, he is clearly not healthy. And if they do not sit him soon, I think they will regret it. Look, getting to the playoffs this year and being a contender, all that is a, is a big deal. I understand. And, this is probably their last go with T. Higgins and all that. But you got to take care of your quarterback first. Because Joe Burrow, uh, you know, you've heard both say many times in this program that the Bengals don't deserve Joe Burrow with how, you know, traditionally dysfunctional that franchise is. And Zach Taylor not doing a good job as that head coach and not having the offensive line to protect Joe Burrow and, and what they've done with that team. I mean, they are very lucky to have Joe Burrow and – they have not treated him the way they should have, right? Um, listen, the postseason would be great to be involved and, you know, everything like that. But you can't be short-sighted 
and so focused on trying to get the postseason this year that you cost your quarterback for years to come. Because this is the guy that you want leading your team for the next 15 years. Uh, this year sucks, but you cannot let this year cost you many years down the road. Uh, I I think the Bengals need to do it. They can't take care of their quarterback and let Joe Burrow get healthy because uh, he's clearly not what he is, uh, what he's supposed to be at least anyway. Um, the Eagles on fire. Uh they look as any as good as any team in football. They're doing everything well. Um, the quarterback plays there. They're great at the line of scrimmage. The run game is there. Uh, I like everything I've seen from the Philadelphia Eagles. They're taking on a Rams team that, you know, will be more of a challenge, I think, than people realize. You know, um, that's a team that actually can go pound for pound for them on the line when you factor in Aaron Donald and everything. Um, but Philadelphia, the that that boat is going to keep on sailing. Uh, they are a well-oiled machine, and they are in mid-season form. They don't look like a team that's 4-0. They look like a team that's 9-0 based on the way they've played, and I don't see that slowing down anytime soon. Um, the big game this week, of course, is the Cowboys and the 49ers. And, man, I cannot wait to see what this this game does here. Um, and this feels like a game to me of who is going to flinch first. Does Brock Purdy finally have that game where he looks like the young quarterback, where he falls into mistakes, or is Dak going to be the bad Dak we see at times that makes those mistakes? This is going to be who flinches first, and... You know, the track record history tells us that Dak is more likely to flinch than Brock Purdy is. And I know there's going to be some people out there that, you know, point to, uh, you know, Dak and say, well, he's a better quarterback than Brock and all this. I mean, he might be. Um, you know, Brock Purdy, I love Brock Purdy, but he, he has been a game manager. Uh, although the last week he played really good and only had one incompletion. But... That's what I'm watching for. I know both these teams, you know, will run the football. They'll play good defense. But whatever quarterback plays mistake-free, I think it's going to be the difference in this football game, what to watch for as far as that goes. Um, the Steelers play the Vikings this week. And there's two interesting perspectives on this front. First off, Kansas City. Chiefs are 3-1. and one, And I got to say... Um, the we mentioned like the Eagles look like they're in midseason form. The Kansas City Chiefs, you know, they very well might be the best team in the AFC, and and they look like they're still trying to figure out, uh, you know, how to fly the ship. Right? This is a Chiefs team that looks like they're still going through the owner's manual and just trying to figure it out as they go. We know that the Chiefs are eventually going to figure out how to fly the plane. Uh, but right now, they're just in, in the learning phases. They're doing enough to get by. They're playing fine, but they're not playing to their full potential yet. And honestly, that's okay. I know that you know there, there is some concern among Chiefs fans of, hey, the receiving core is not there. You know, how are we you know, 
letting Zach Wilson torch us and pick us apart and all that. I, I understand. And, and believe me, folks, um, being a Chiefs fan is harder than it looks because the, the, uh, the stress that Chiefs fans go under at times that's unnecessary, um, you know, can, can be annoying. Believe me. But the Chiefs are going to be okay. Um, they might not be the number one seed in the AFC, but, you know, when it comes playoff time, you just flip another switch, you know, with Mahomes and Reed and Kelsey, um, where 15 just makes up for a lot of the flaws. And I think you're going to see that as the year goes on, that 15 just says, hey, this is my time. This is what I do. Um, he's going to be that guy to, to get it done. So I'm not worried about the Chiefs not necessarily playing their potential just yet. The Vikings are a mess. Uh, I expect a fire sale potentially to start after this game because they're not beating Kansas City. And then Kirk Cousins could be trading. You're going to have another a number of teams interested. They're not bringing him back next year. You might as well get something out of him. Uh, Kevin O'Connell uh, could be on the hot seat. Uh, there's there's a lot going on in Minnesota right now, and it's really about to be Jover, as the kids say, for uh, the Minnesota Vikings there. Uh, and then Monday Night Football this week, get the Packers and the Raiders. What a, what a year it's been for the Raiders. Uh, Chandler Jones now, I mean... I hope he gets the help he needs, but somehow the Raiders find a way to end all these guys, you know, from, uh, where, where do I even start? You know, uh, Antonio Brown, uh, you know, Henry Ruggs. I mean, it's always somebody with this Raiders team. Josh McDaniels is a, a clown. He's doing a terrible job. Um, he, he's got to be fired soon. The Packers. Jordan Love, what Jordan Love's going to show up. Packers should win this game. But, you know, Raiders tend to play well at prime time. And watch out. This might be a better game than people realize. So there's your look around the National Football League uh, this week here in the Jones Report. More NFL discussion coming up later when Will Scott joins us, Coach Bo as well. So uh, stay tuned for that uh, here on the Jones Report this week. But, uh, we will shift gears and get to our Big 12 breakdown with a comprehensive look around the Big 12 conference. That's uh, coming up next right here on the Jones Report. It is the Big 12 breakdown. Tyler Jones here with you with a look around the Big 12 conference this week with uh, some of the top headlines and we'll preview the week ahead. And uh, as we begin each and every week on the Big 12 breakdown, uh, I want to give you our Big 12 hot takes uh, this week. And I got to tell you, my hot take, I've been, I've been on this team all year, much to my chagrin. This is how you know, folks, that we keep it real here, that uh, I tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear on this program. Because I, I am saying this begrudgingly. I do not like to admit this. But 
as you know, I've been very high on the Texas Longhorns since before the season began. Um, I, I have said it time and time again that I thought Texas was going to be back this year, that they were going to be a playoff team, that Texas was going to be back to who they're supposed to be, right? And, and now you have this test against Oklahoma this week. And where Texas is at, the way that they're playing and everything, not only do I believe Texas is back, I, I don't even want to say this, but I have no choice but to say it. Um, I think Texas is the best team in the country at the moment. Um, I went and saw them play last week against Kansas. And Texas did not play their best. Okay? Texas played a B-minus or B game. Um, And that's the nature of the business. You know, you're not going to play your best every week. It's just not within human nature to do so. Um, You know, they let Kansas hang around with a backup quarterback with Jason Bean and everything. And yet they still found a way to win 40-14. to 14. And they finished in the fourth quarter. And, and, and that's what championship teams do, is they finish the games in crunch time. They do what they need to do. And that's what Texas did this week. Um, that team is talented. Sark is doing a great job. They are the best team in the country right now. Um, you know, I look at, at Georgia the two tight defending champs, and this is a Georgia team that's got some quarterback problems. Carson Beck doesn't look that great right now. Um, you know, Michigan is is very good in their own right. Uh, USC, their defense is just trash. Um, you know, Washington looks really good, but who have they played uh, just yet? I feel like we still have more to learn about them, but they look well, the case I would make for Texas is it's not just the talent and the quarterback play and the defense, but they've won the big games. You, you, you had a dominating top 25 win over Kansas last week where you pulled away in the second half. And what they did against Alabama, they are the best team in the country at this moment. Now, things are fluid that could change, but... Texas is the best team in the country. They are the team to beat uh, heading into Red River this week. So there's my hot take for this week. Texas is the best team in college football. With that said, uh, that rolls us into our Big 12 preview for this week, breaking down these games one by one. OU and Texas. It feels so weird when we're talking about Red River and – Looking at these two teams, this Oklahoma team, credit where credit's due. Um, I think that Oklahoma is ranked too low right now at 12. Um, I think that is a uh, after effect, an aftershock of the disappointment of last year where the, these voters can't get last year out of their head instead of focusing on this year. If you look at this year, Oklahoma's done everything that's been asked of them. They've covered in every game. They're 5-0. and um, What's been the biggest complaint about Oklahoma football? 
standing back to Lincoln Riley and everything. It's been about the defense, right? And Oklahoma's defense is legit, which I did not expect. I didn't see that coming. Brent Venables has come in, done an incredible job with that defense. They are carrying that OU team through that defense. The offense is inconsistent, but the defense is is coming through for that Oklahoma team. Um, To me, if Oklahoma's going to have a shot in this game against Texas, the defense is going to need to continue that, but the offense is going to need to do its part. And the offense, trying to keep up with this Texas team, that is going to be a challenge ahead um, as far as that goes. And I think if you're Oklahoma, you know, you don't want to get embarrassed like you did last week, last year, you know, losing 49 nothing. Uh, but I, I do think Oklahoma is overmatched in this case. And it might not be the last time these two teams face. Uh, there's a very, very good chance that they'll be back in Arlington for the Big 12 title game at the end of the regular season, uh, you know, as they expect to face again. So if you don't get them now, you might have another shot later this year um, to get the job done. So what what Dylan Gabriel is going to show up to? If Dylan Gabriel can go pound for pound with Quinn Ewers, if that Oklahoma offense can go toe-to-toe with that Texas offense, we get a ball game here. But as much as I like Dylan Gabriel, I think he's a good quarterback. Uh, I think he's better than what he's given credit for. I don't know if their offense can show up and they're going to go toe-to-toe with Texas or not. So watch out. Let's see how this game goes. Uh, you know Texas is going to score 30. Can Oklahoma match them? Or is Texas going to you know, put this game to bed here? I lean towards Texas. But uh, it's it's Red River. It's always going to be a great game. You know, you got to get – here's the deal. If you're going to Red River, you got to go get your corny dog in the morning, go drink your cold beer, um, and get that out of the way. College game day is going to be there. This is the biggest Red River game in a long time. First time since 2011. Both teams are undefeated heading into Red River. Uh, Greg Sankey is uh, going to be in the building. The SEC commissioner, Big 12 commissioner, Brett Yormark, will not. Uh, so that's kind of telling. Another storyline outside of this game. I wonder, too, is the SEC chant going to break out? These two fan bases that just hate each other, you know, that are going to be divided at the 50-yard line and everything. Are they going to be, uh, yep, you know, united together in the SEC chant? I wonder about that. That's going to be something. Uh, but uh, watch out. Oklahoma, Texas, very good game. I lean towards Texas. But uh, let's see what Dylan Gabriel and the Sooners can do. Uh, other games this weekend. OSU taking on K-State. Um, K-State, two-touchdown favorite, basically. OSU's got some problems. friend of the show, Bill Haston, was saying this week that uh, he does not believe that no matter what happens... Mike Gundy's coming back after this year. Really? I mean, no matter what happens, Mike Gundy's back. Bill, I love you, but I, I, I think eventually, you know, more schools are going to look at what TCU did and Gary Patterson and his failures. Um, and to bring in Sonny and get to the national championship and be like, you know what? 
we got to force a change if we have to. And if OSU's smart, they got to say goodbye to Mike if he doesn't get something going here soon. Because uh, it looks like the game is passing by Mike Gundy. And he hasn't done a great job on the recruiting trail either. Um, it's, it's looking like it's time. And in K-State, uh, they might just go in there and kick that ass. This game might not be close. K-State's a really good football team. Had a weird loss to Mizzou that came down to the wire. Uh, they always lose a game they're not supposed to in September, about every single year. This was that Mizzou game. I think K-State's going to be fine. Um, but this this might be the end-all, be-all. Look out for K-State to come out and perform and, and play a good football game. Um, Kansas, take it out of UCF this week. Let's see how KU responds. And I, I hate it for what's going on with Jalen Daniels. I was talking to a friend of the show, Derek Haglin, this week. You know, he came down when we went to this Kansas-Texas uh, game together. And uh, you know, Jalen Daniels re-aggravates the back injury. And very unfortunate to see him do that again. And it happened, I guess, the morning of the game. And just a, a, a scary situation. And you hate to see that happen again. Um. Derek brought up an interesting point that if Jer- if, if Travis Goff and Lance Leipold are, miss- are listening or the KU you know staff whatever, here's an idea that Derek brought up that I would highly recommend. Um, if you recall, if you go back to the AFC Championship game, Travis Kelsey had some back pain and was not feeling good at all. You know, had some back spasms or whatever. Um, And that happened on the Friday before the AFC Championship game. And then he played that Sunday and he played really well. Um, The Chiefs medical staff worked through it and they got him out there. You've had this linger on now for for Jalen Daniels for a couple weeks and forced him to miss the first game of the year and everything. Um, if I'm Kansas, call up Rick Burkholder and the Kansas City Chiefs coaching uh, medical staff. Be like, what did you guys do with Travis? What do you recommend here? You need answers. You need solutions. Um, you know, this Kansas football program, they've invested a lot of money over the last couple of years for Lance Leipold and company to compete and to play at a high level. Um Part of the investment's got to be your medical staff. They got to do their part too, and got to be searching. What can we do to help out our quarterback? Um, you know, there, there's some there's some internet trolls out there, just some really dumb people that are trying to call date Jalen Daniels soft and all this. I mean, if he's not feeling right, he's not feeling right. Um, but they need to find a solution. They need to do this because the Jason Bean thing. I like Bean. It's not a bad backup quarterback, but he is a backup quarterback. And this is a different team when Jason Bean is under center. They need Jalen Daniels back there. They need to find a solution of some sorts. With that said, UCF uh, has had a rude awakening to Big 12 play with two straight losses. Um, whether Bean plays or Daniel plays, you should be able to win that game without Daniels or not. Um, I expect Kansas to be fine this week to win that game against UCF. Uh, it could be close, 
but Kansas is a better team, uh, and they're at home. Tech taking on Baylor. Uh, both these teams, such a disappointment this year. You had Brett McMurphy was, you know, jerking off uh, Texas Tech before the season began, called him a playoff contender and all this, and all the hype train around Joey McGuire. And I, I wouldn't call Joey McGuire a fraud, but they have not done what they're supposed to do uh, this season at all. They have been a mess. Baylor, I think Dave Aranda, there ought to be some questions about his future. Uh, you talk about fraudulent. They were just in the Big 12 Championship two game, two years ago. What's happened since with Baylor? That has been a mess. Somebody gets to win this football game. Um, it's almost a disappointment that somebody gets to win this game. That, that somebody gets to come out of this slump of sorts. Because both these teams don't deserve to win right now. Um, Tech is a slight favorite, but I'm like, do we really know? Do we feel that confident in Tech or Baylor either one? Which team's getting off the bus? I don't know. And then uh, TCU played Iowa State. TCU last week uh, loses to West Virginia at home. And I got some thoughts on West Virginia here in just a second. Um, you know, what we're seeing, I know a lot of people point to Chandler Morris and blaming him. You know, he's not Max Duggan, and he's not Max Duggan. But what we are seeing with TCU is that last year, you know, everything went right for them to be undefe- you know, undefeated until the Big 12 title game and to win all those close games like they did. You know, I, I heard somebody say that was a team that very easily could have been 8-4, and four, but ended up 12-0. and 0. And this year, I think what's happening is that it's just – they're getting the bad luck. You know, the Colorado game, they very well could have won. This West Virginia game over the weekend, they very well could have won. And now it's just flipping the other side where they're seeing, hey, you know, these 50-50 ball games aren't always going to go your way like that. Iowa State, 2-3. and three. Uh, Matt Campbell reacting to OU fans, saying he's on the hot seat and on everything, getting pissed about that. How small time is that? Look, Matt Campbell, you, you had your players involved in a, a gambling situation, which is a big no-no in college athletics, really in athletics in general. And your team sucks. You've taken so many steps back from what you once were. You got some talent there. That quarterback looked pretty good the other night. Um, but Matt Campbell's not who he was. And he is getting exposed, and I don't know if there's any turning back for this Iowa State team. Um, this is a good chance for TCU to get back on track and uh, show the world who they really are, potentially. Uh, one more note before we get to Will Scott here. I do have to shout out West Virginia. West Virginia, Mountain Mama, take me home. Country roads. Um, did anybody think West Virginia was going to be in this position? Um, I got to say, credit to Neil Brown. Nobody has been calling for Neil Brown's head more than me. Um, I have made that very clear about Neil Brown and that West Virginia need to move on from him. This was a team that was picked 14th in the Big 12 last year. Last time I checked, the Big 12 had 14 teams. 
although that seems to change by the day. And credit where credit's due, West Virginia, 2-0 in league play, 4-1, got some quality wins. I mean, you lost to Penn State at the beginning of the year, which wasn't a bad loss, but, you know, they held their own. Now you've beaten Pitt, beaten Tech, you've beaten West Virginia. And you look at the schedule the rest of the – or you beat, uh, beat TCU, rather. You look at the schedule the rest of the way. Houston, OSU, UCF, BYU, Oklahoma, Cincinnati, and Baylor. Um, that's manageable. Neil Brown's team might win eight or nine games here. Um, they win seven or more, he's coming back. Eight or more, and they're going to love you. So, Neil Brown, West Virginia, I didn't see this coming. Uh, Neil Brown, at the moment, has done enough to save that job. We'll see how they finish the year, but credit where credit's due. Uh, you know, I can, I can go after Neil Brown on this show and keep it 100, but we, we, can, we can keep it honest here. And, and Neil Brown deserves some credit for that job he's done because that talent is, is not uh, up to snuff with some of the other teams in the Big 12. And, and they have played over their heads so far this year. They've done a really good job. So credit to West Virginia there. Will Scott, that's join us next. Coach Bo's going to be here later. Also Tom Fullery as well. Stick around as we continue here on the Jones Report. Joining us now, it is none other than Will Scott, the uh, former host of Dolphins Today on Chat Sports, uh, doing a, uh, According to his bio, stuff with uh, Max Preps now, also going to uh, law school to become a uh, Willie agent uh, on this next morning. <laughs> and uh, he joins us now. Will, it has been a while. Uh, you know, I, I want to bring you on not just to talk shop and everything, but I know there is a lot of people out there that are wondering where is Willie Fins and what he's doing. So uh, I figured this would be the right place to check in and see how you're doing. How are you doing, my friend? Well, Tyler, it's, it's good to talk to, to a good friend. Um, you know, like, uh, like we said, uh, that, uh, that night of the epic party, the going away party we had uh, for me and Dodie, I said, you know, friends for life, brother. I meant it. So it's good to see you again. Uh, I'm doing fantastic, man. Uh, it is uh, midterm week over at um, the ASU law school. Uh, I've had uh, two midterms uh, in the books. I got one more tomorrow, so I'm looking forward to, to getting that out of the way and uh, get rolling here with fall break. Uh, so yeah, I'm doing I'm doing really well, man. You know, it's funny. It's uh, you know a lot of people think that that I'm in law school, and and that is true. Uh, but I'm not getting my JD, which is nice. I don't have to do three year law track. Uh, it is just a one to two year sports law master's program that I'm in. And I think Arizona state, you know, eight years ago when they, when they made that program, they were like, you know, all these sports agents go to law school and 99% of what they learn is not applicable to their career. And they created a sports law and business master's program that is in the law school. So all my classes are at the law school. The law student is on my student ID, but uh, I'm not getting my JD. So, uh, yeah. So if you, if you, uh, see pictures of me at graduation in May, I'm not that smart. I did not finish law school in, in one year. <laughs> it's a master's program. Uh, so yeah, it's going great, man. I'm making a lot of connections, networking a lot. 
Uh, so yeah, it's it's been really good. I'm doing really well out here in Arizona. So you uh, will not be taking the bar exam at this time next year. Oh, thank God, no, man. I you know props to people that do it. I got a lot of friends of mine in the program that are doing both the master's program and getting their JD. I don't know how they're doing it. I think that's a four year track for them. Um, but no, no LSAT for me, no bar. Uh, no, I, I, uh, that, that just wasn't for me, man. I, I'd rather be a sports agent than a lawyer. So tell me this as, uh, my boots on the ground in Phoenix, uh, you, since you moved out there, uh, have joined big 12 country as uh, Arizona state will be, <laughs> Entering uh, the Big 12 next year, along with Arizona, Utah, and uh, Colorado. What has been from the uh, folks you've talked to and the reaction of uh, the folks out there out west in in Phoenix and in, uh, in Sun Devil country about the idea of joining the uh, Big 12 conference next year? That week was pretty wild, man. I mean, the Pac-12 died like, you know, that. And obviously, it all started last year with USC and UCLA going to the Big 10. And you heard about Colorado going back to the Big 12. and from there, I mean, the dominoes just began to fall. And, um, you know, really from the jump, right after Colorado left, the speculation was that ASU and Arizona were uh, kind of a package deal and, and they would go to uh, the Big 12. So when that news happened, uh, that was not a surprise. Uh, I think there's more excitement than sadness. I think there's more excitement about joining the Big 12 uh, than sadness about the Pac-12 dying. Obviously, that's sad. I mean, the Pac-12 is a historic conference, a prestigious conference. It's been around for a long time. So, yeah, there's definitely, you know, Sun Devil fans that, that are sad about the Pac-12. But I think for the most part, we're really excited about the Big 12, especially me as, you know, I'm just now starting to care about ASU athletics, you know, being able to, to go watch – uh, the Sun Devils in Texas now against TCU and against your Jayhawks. I, I've had Kansas State friends of mine, Tyler, already hit me up. They're saying they're they're coming for for a game next year if if uh, if the Sun Devils are on their schedule for basketball or football. So it's going to be really good. I think the Big Twelve uh, is going to be a really good conference going forward. I think in general, conference relocation is terrible. For college athletics, I mean, the really cool thing about my master's program is I'm taking classes and we're talking about that. We're writing papers about about that stuff. Um, so yeah, it's been interesting to follow. But yeah, I think I think the Big 12 makes a lot of sense for Arizona State. I think the Big 12 for Arizona and Arizona State makes far more sense than these Pac-12 schools going to Big 10 because it just makes sense from a from a geographic standpoint. Uh, you got the Texas schools not too far away. You got Utah. You got BYU. You got Colorado. So really, the, the flights are not going to be that bad. You know, only a couple hours, not these six-hour flights that Oregon's going to be taking out to Rutgers. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be really good. Yeah, I know everybody just can't wait to see Cal play Boston College. Uh, <laughs> Liberty. Great ACC football there, you know, yeah. Uh, will uh, let's let's start out on the uh, the college football side transition things there. Uh, you once called Harvard Yale a better rivalry than Oklahoma and Texas, and now here they are this weekend. You're never gonna uh, let me live that down, man. You're never gonna let not. me live that down. Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, we are about to witness the best rivalry in college football. You are not in Dallas this weekend. You're coming next weekend. You're not in here this weekend for the best weekend to be in the city. Um, what, what a game we have here, like 
you know, you know me. I I, I love the Sooners, and and I am very optimistic about this team being five and zero, oh, and they've done everything that's been asked of them. Of they've covered every game this year. Uh, you know, undefeated record, top twelve team. But there's something about Texas. As much as I hate to admit it, this feels different than what we've talked about previously with Texas teams, with the way Sark has coached these guys up, the way Ewers and Xavier Worthy are playing. Are you buying in? Is this Texas team a serious team? Are they a, a title-contending team? They, I think they look as good as any team in the country right now. Yeah, I would have to agree. Although I think that that win against Alabama um, – I don't know. I don't want that that win. I don't want to say that win was uh, you know blown out of proportion because that was an impressive win. Tuscaloosa is one of the best play, one of the hardest places to play in the country. But also, I don't think Alabama is very good. Uh, so I think this Oklahoma team uh, it, it's arguably Texas's biggest test yet because of the rivalry that is that you have to factor in here. Uh, this is going to be an all time game. I think Oklahoma is playing really well. Uh, they've certainly impressed me, but you mentioned Quinn Ewers and, and Texas and Steve Sarkeesian and the job uh, that he's done. Uh, I think it's safe to say Texas is back. I think a win this weekend in Dallas would certainly uh, solidify that. But, yeah, I do think Texas is for real. I do think uh, that if they win this game, they will make the college football playoff. I mean, I think this is a high-stakes game. Uh, the winner, I think, is for sure going to be in the Big 12 championship game uh, so i'm excited to watch this game uh, i give texas the slight advantage i think this is going to be a really really tight game though maybe more high scoring than people think yeah it's interesting you bring that up because to me i i feel like if oklahoma is going to have a chance in this game it's going to have to be their defense it feels really weird that we're talking about an oklahoma team that's carried by their defense second in the country and points allowed this year the offense has been sporadic up and down, uh, you know, for for much of the season here. If if this is going to be a game at all, uh, that Oklahoma defense is going to have to find a way to slow Texas down. I think. Yeah, I'm absolutely with you. And you know, we've seen Texas be really good at times this year. We've seen them not be very good. I mean, against Kansas, they were fantastic. I thought Kansas was going to cover the spread in that game. They didn't. Um, Texas looked really good in the second half of that game especially in the fourth quarter. That, that's when they started to pull away. But you also look at Texas against Wyoming when that was a one-possession game going into the fourth quarter against an inferior opponent. So Texas has had some really good stretches, and they've had some stretches where they haven't played their best. So against a team like Oklahoma, who's playing really well, who's you know their biggest rival, it is going to take four quarters of really good football to win this game. And I think it's going to be a back and forth game. I think it's going to be a high scoring game. I think both quarterbacks are going to play really well. I think the difference in this game is going to be who's going to make a play defensively. Who's going to get that big turnover, uh, which player is going to make that big interception in the red zone. That's what I think this game comes down to. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, we're talking to Will Scott uh, here this week as uh, we're talking some college football. Uh, and I got to tell you, Will just, Looking at the uh, games this week, uh, my buddy Bo was giving me a hard time for looking at this game closely, but I thought of you immediately. This Syracuse-North Carolina game is probably the fourth or fifth best game in the country this week. Drake May going up against a, a Syracuse team that's 4-1 outside the top 25 here. 
Uh, really, I think that's a, a sneaky good football game. Syracuse got a chance to surprise some people here. Yeah, I, I would agree. Syracuse did not play good football last week against Clemson as a Syracuse alum. That game was painful to watch. Uh, the officiating was was not good, uh, but that's not an excuse to, to losing uh, by 17 points against Clemson. Uh, they had some turnovers. Uh, Garrett Schrader did not have his best game. I think Clemson had a good game plan against him defensively, but Syracuse really gave that game to Clemson. I thought Syracuse, that was a game they could have won. Uh, and instead they lose by double digits. They had a chance to make it interesting in the end, but turn the ball over down 10 when they had a chance to cut to maybe three with a few minutes left. Uh, so I think the game was honestly a little bit closer than the score indicated, Tyler. But this Syracuse team, their defense for the most part has played really well this season. I think Garrett Schrader, QB, he's one of the more underrated players in the country. What he can do is a dual threat quarterback. So I'm excited to watch this game. I think it's going to be really close. Do I think Syracuse wins? No, but I do think they cover that eight-point spread. Yeah, uh, and uh, Willie Betts already <laughs> falling out right there, the cover for Syracuse. Uh, we'll see if he makes it happen. Uh, I'm sure you're enjoying that legal sports betting in Arizona, too. Uh, oh, it's been it's been a game-changer, man. It has been uh, – it has been – a lot of fun. You know, I'm a responsible better. You know, I don't put crazy money on games, but I did pretty well with the Ryder Cup, man. I'll say that. I did, in the words of Larry David, pretty, pretty good with, with the Ryder Cup. I'm glad you found the legal sports betting because I'm pretty sure your bookie stopped taking your calls, you know, after you uh, just were winning so much. Yeah, um, I, I did have, uh, I've had several bookies in my life. I'll say that. <laughs> and that's not because I'm running from them. That's funny. Uh, one game that catches my eye, going to the SEC this week, Kentucky and Georgia, both teams at 5-0. and Will, a lot of doubters about Carson Beck, if he can get the job done. This, to me, is an interesting test because Kentucky, historically speaking, under Mark Stoops, tends to play over their heads a little bit here. If Carson Beck struggles... Kentucky could make this a more interesting game maybe than people realize. If if Beck plays well, Georgia should be able to blow out Kentucky. This this game could go really one of two ways here. Yeah, you know, Georgia, they're they're so beatable, man. Um, and that's no disrespect to that team. I mean, they're a great team. They're the number one team in the country. They haven't lost in a long, long, long time, uh, you know, going for the three-peat here. Uh, but they're, they've shown, you know, signs of vulnerability. They are extremely beatable. South Carolina looked like they had them. Uh, Auburn looked like they had them. Now they're uh, going to be in Athens facing a Kentucky team that absolutely blew out a ranked Florida team last week. So Kentucky's coming in with a lot of confidence. Uh, I think that Coach Stoops is one of the more underrated coaches in the country. The job that he's done in Lexington, I think it's going to be a close game. I think it was somewhat of a wake-up call for Georgia at Auburn last week. Had Georgia won that game more decisively, they might be coming in a little bit overconfident. But Kirby Smart, man, he's probably the best coach in the country right now. He's going to have his guys ready to play. So I actually do think Georgia wins this game. Uh, might be close in the first half. I do see Georgia pulling away. And I think Beck, who, you know, I definitely – think has some potential I don't think he's shown that full potential this year I think he plays a lot better in this game uh I got one more uh college note for you before we move on here uh yeah, with, hit me. um 
So at the beginning of the year, uh, at your former employer, I did a, a bold prediction segment. And one of the things I was adamant about was that LSU was a fraud. And here they are, three and two. They don't even deserve to be ranked. I don't know why they're 23rd right now. Taking on Mizzou this week. They are favorites, though, uh, against Mizzou this week. What what the hell is going on with LSU? I mean, I, I thought this was a, a team, Brian Kelly, that prides themselves on defense, and they couldn't stop a nosebleed last week against Ole Miss. Is, uh, is, is Brian Kelly on the hot seat? Like, what's going on at LSU here? No, BK's not in the hot seat. I mean, look, he won the SEC West in year one. He took over a team that was below 500 in their last two seasons combined. Uh, wins the West last year, uh, beats Alabama. I think really exceeded expectations in his first season in Baton Rouge. Because of that, LSU came in with very high expectations this season. You know, they were definitely considered a playoff favorite or a playoff contender. They were preseason number five. I thought they were definitely the favorites uh, to win the SEC West again this year, especially with Alabama uh, coming into this season with a lot of question marks. And we've seen Alabama – uh, already with uh, with a loss uh, this year to Texas. So I think because of that, LSU, you know, came in with high expectations, and they certainly uh, have not lived up to those expectations. Now, the offense has. The offense has been fantastic. Uh, Jaden Daniels, from a passer standpoint, uh, has done better than I thought he was going to do this year. He really worked on that in the offseason, kind of improving his accuracy down the field. He's been great. I mean, LSU put up 49 points in Oxford last week. You should not lose a football game <laughs> when you score 49 points. But the defense has been a massive disappointment. You know, Matt House, I really liked uh, as a defensive coordinator. The defense showed a lot of strides as a young defense last year. Uh, but the defense has been a massive problem, especially the corners. Uh, I don't know what's going on, man, but three and two for LSU, that, that's just not going to cut it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we'll move on now. Mizzou's going to be tough. They might be 3-3. Three and three. They're going to Mizzou this weekend. Mizzou's undefeated. Uh, Elijah Drinkwitz may be for SEC Coach of the Year if they keep that rolling uh, up there in Columbia. But that's going to be a really tough game for LSU. I think LSU wins, but it's not going to be easy. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, we've gone this long. I'm sure the people have been waiting, wanting to hear uh, you talk about the 3-1 and one Miami Dolphins. Uh, you already knew where I was going. Uh, taking on the Giants this week. Tell the folks out there, give the breakdown of those Dolphins and, and how they've looked so far to begin the season. Losing last week to the Bills, I know it wasn't the performance they wanted, but uh, Bills are you know right up there among the best. Not not a bad loss. Uh, really good start for Miami to be 3-1 and one right now. Well, I'll say this. If uh, Dolphins fans go back and – uh, <laughs> you know, I had to do that. Time. Of course. If they, if they go back and watch my record prediction video that I put out the day after the schedule came out, I think that was in May. I've been four for four so far. I had the Dolphins starting three, and oh, and then losing in Buffalo. Buffalo is a tough place to win, man. Even when it's warm outside, uh, it is a tough place to win. Uh, they got a great fan base up there in Buffalo. I would know I went to Syracuse uh, university just down the street. So uh, that's a tough place to win, man. And uh, the Dolphins did not play well defensively. Uh, the offensive line, specifically Liam Eichenberg, uh, was uh, disappointing. Uh, but still, 3-1, great start for the Dolphins. This is very much a Super Bowl contender in Miami. Before the season, I predicted, I think, 12-5. and I'm going to stick with that 12-5 and prediction. I do think the Dolphins end up winning 
11 or 12 games. They should beat the Giants. They have some winnable games coming up after what I think, Tyler, was a very difficult stretch to begin the season. Three of their first four games on the road, uh, and they start the three and one. So overall, a good start. I'm not too discouraged after that performance in Buffalo. But I will say this, because it's hard for me to talk about the Dolphins without talking about the center situation. The Dolphins <laughs> have course. got to go and get a center. Uh, Connor Williams right now uh, is injured. And, yeah, Connor has a lot of snapping issues, as we've seen this season. But he is great after the snap. I've always said that about Connor. I've never said he can't, he can't pass block. He is great as a blocker. We saw that in Dallas when he's one of the best guards in the league. Uh, but he just has he has problems snapping the football. But right now he's out. So the Dolphins have inserted Liam Eikenberg here as the starting center, who has really struggled as a guard and as a tackle, really anywhere he's been on the Dolphins' offensive line his first two seasons in the league. Uh, and he's been struggling both with the snap and after the snap, and uh, he's certainly a liability. You have got to keep Tua healthy, and I want the Dolphins – uh, to go out and get a center, trade for a center. Uh, you have a, in my opinion, a talented center on the practice squad, and uh, I think uh, you, I can't pronounce is is Alama. Uh, see, this is what happens when you take me away from covering the Dolphins. I can't pronounce some of these names. Uh, you Ulave, I think, is how you pronounce his last name. Uh, but he's a talented center uh, that I think would be better than Liam Eikenberg right now. Uh, so yeah, that, that's my take. If the Dolphins can figure that out and if they can figure uh, the defense out, you obviously have Jalen Ramsey out right now. So the cornerback situation is not as good as it could be, uh, but the defense has got to play better. Uh, Vic Fangio has got to go back to being Vic Fangio, man. I mean, the defense has got to be better. What's, uh, JC Treader doing these days? Uh, <laughs> well, he's lost about a hundred pounds, um, I mean, he's in great shape right now. Uh, too, like what I'm saying is too good of shape. I, I he would have to bulk up a little bit right. to get back on an offensive line. Um, they they got to go get somebody though. They got to go get somebody. And look, depth is so important, Tyler. They didn't have a backup center on the roster coming into this season. They traded Dan Feeney to Chicago for what I thought was a decent haul for a guy like Feeney. Uh, but after that trade, they didn't have a backup center. So. Uh, they should have had some more depth there. Who uh you think is the best team in the league right now? It's got to be the 49ers. Um, they've looked unstoppable. Uh, Purdy's such a good fit in that offense. They probably have the best defense in the league. Um, I would say San Francisco. I mean, they're right up there. Uh, the AFC, I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in the AFC. I mean, you got the Chiefs, obviously the Bills, the Dolphins, in my opinion right now, those are the top three teams in the AFC. I think the Bengals are going to figure it out. They're they're just too good of a team to be playing this poorly. Joe Burrow is too good of a quarterback. I think it's clear he's not healthy. But my bold prediction in the AFC right now is that the Bengals figure it out. I'm not saying they're going to win the AFC, but they will make the playoffs, and they will be a force to be reckoned with in the playoffs. I would worry about Cincinnati if I was some of these other AFC teams come January. I wouldn't want to be playing them uh, if they're you know slide no. in as a wild card or something. Let's say the Ravens win the division. Yeah, Bengals are the five, six, or seven seed. That's a team no one wants to face. Um, as long as you get in, that's all that matters, and then figuring out from there. So yeah, I think you might be onto something there. We'll see. Uh, as 
a Swifty the way you are, uh, Taylor Swift's biggest fan. Uh, I, I got to know your uh, your thoughts on uh, on on Swift and uh, and Kelsey here. I, I know you're a chief hater too, so I'm sure this has got to pain you a bit. Well, I'll say this: the, the Chiefs certainly are not are not my favorite team, mainly because of the uh, the favorite officiating they get. It's less about them as a team. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. But I'm I'm all over uh, the Travis and Taylor um, uh, bandwagon here. Uh, I have been watching uh, TikToks nonstop. Uh, I am all in on this couple. I think they make a lot of sense. Taylor's got high energy. Travis has high energy. I just think it works. I really you think it's do. real. I you think it's actually hundred percent. It's real. Hundred percent. It's real. Taylor does not need a relationship that's just gonna like. She doesn't need any more publicity. She's on top of the world right now with the greatest tour of all time. She doesn't need any more publicity. This is not a publicity stunt on Taylor Swiftson. Now, is it attracting people to watch NFL games that otherwise wouldn't be? Sure, uh, but neither Travis Kelsey or Taylor Swift needed a publicity stunt. They're both at the top of their game right now. Travis just won a second Super Bowl ring. Taylor's on tour. I didn't go to the Eras tour, but apparently it was the greatest thing ever. So they're still fine. This is going to do a second run. Well, I might need to fly to Australia or something to, to catch her at this point. I think she's doing international stuff, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's hundred percent real and I think it's going to work. I do not think this is going to be, uh, something that turns into an album, a, a breakup album from Taylor Swift. I think that this could be the one for Taylor Swift, quite frankly. Okay. So you're, you're calling it right now, uh, a Swift Kelsey marriage. I, I am, I am. I think, I think it's going to work. I mean, look. She's already hitting it off with Mama Kelsey. Right. I mean, look, I'm no uh, relationship expert, but oh, that did feel that. Thank you, Tyler. That did feel a little bit early to me to be meeting them up after just a few meetings. Not only did they meet, but they hit off. I mean, they look like they're best friends right now. Uh, Taylor's bringing her famous celebrity friends to Travis's game. So for her to go to back to back games, when she's probably got this busy schedule when, you know, she is, you know, super famous and she makes the effort to go to back-to-back games. To me, that's a sign that it's getting serious a little bit fast. And you look at the age, you know, I think they're both, what, 33, 34. Um, they're probably around the Will Scott range. Yeah. Not quite, but they're both ready to, they're both ready to, you know, settle down. Uh, so, yeah, I think, I think it's going to work. I think it, I think it is working. I mean, not to get a little too in detail here, but if you already brought up the future plans here is, would that be potentially the greatest gene pool of skills like get between Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift or what their kids could become? Oh, I mean, it would be unbelievable. I mean, it would be, you might see like the first NFL player to, to win a, a Grammy or something. I mean, I mean, that kid's going to be uber talented. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. That, that, that could be something. All right. Uh, Linda on this, I know you're a big baseball guy. Uh, you're, you're a fan of the, the trash cans. Um, tell me about uh, the MLB playoffs. Uh, what's uh, how's this all going to, going to shake out this postseason? 
I'm keeping an eye on the on the D-backs game. Um, I'm hoping Arizona goes on this magical run and wins the NL so I can watch my Strohs win the World Series about 20 minutes from my apartment here in Phoenix. Um, I think I think the Astros will be back in the World Series. Um, they had a roller coaster year. It's a miracle they still ended up winning that division. Uh, the Rangers uh, kind of choked in that last series, losing three or four to Seattle to give the Astros the West. I think the Astros are going to win the AL. Uh, you look at that pitching staff, you got JV's probably the game one starter, Fromber's game two, and then Christian Javier, probably the game three guy just because of his experience. Jose Arquiti maybe is the game four guy with his playoff experience. Look, you, you, can't, you can't compete with the experience, the playoff experience that, that the Astros have. They've been to how many straight ALCSs? I think six or seven at this point. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, the run that they've gone on. So I think they come out of the American League. It's hard for me to envision a team other than Atlanta coming out of the NL. So I think we could be headed toward a 2021 World Series rematch with the Braves and the Astros, which honestly I would give a slight advantage to Atlanta. Uh, They just look unstoppable. Uh, The Astros, I mean, they, they could win that series. I think it'd be a good series. Uh, but I think Atlanta uh, right now is probably the most talented team in the league. Yeah, Atlanta's pretty good. Uh, no question about it. What what I wonder is, you know, can we get that moment of a of a star that that takes over? Like, you know, can Bryce Harper, for example, get it done? Or uh, you know, Jose Altuve, some of these guys. Feels like that we've been we've been missing kind of those. Those big moments, you know, I, I I think immediately, you know, back in 2011, David Freeze in, in game six. And, you know, he was the biggest star of that moment. We've talked about that for many years. I, I'm waiting to see, like, who is who's going to have that that takeover of some sorts, if somebody can can pull that off and who can get it done. Is this is this Bryce Harper's time to, to, to come through and, and bring one for Philly? here? Yeah, I think Philly is is unbelievable uh, they're a great team they finished the year really strong um if they wind up beating miami tonight and i do believe that uh that's a close game right now in game two uh i think that uh the philly the winner of that philly atlanta series will come out of the national league uh philadelphia was so close last year bryce harper he really wants it, man, because keep in mind, a year after he left Washington, they won the World Series. So uh, he's been close a couple times, I guess, to, to that uh, postseason glory. So, yeah, the Phillies, I'll say this, a, a team that kind of scares me is an Astros fan, Minnesota Twins. Um, I think they were just really underestimated coming into October because they won the worst division in baseball and everyone kind of counted them out like, oh, you know, they're, they're frauds. They don't look like frauds. They just swept the Blue Jays. That pitching staff is underrated. Carlos Correa didn't have the best regular season. He had 230 in the regular season. Uh, but that guy is unreal in the playoffs. He went two for three in that win today uh, to send Minnesota uh, to the ALDS against Houston. So Correa's got that playoff experience. They, they got other guys that can hit. So that's going to be a really tough series for Houston. I wouldn't be surprised if that series went five games. Yeah, I can see that happening. We'll see. Uh, Will, it has flown by. We are just about out of time. Uh, where can people follow you and uh, follow your uh, your law school journey? And this uh, this next chapter is uh, you become a, a sports agent. I, I'm sure that uh, 
you, you still got some stuff for the, the people to follow along. Uh, you, you have not slowed down on social media just because you're not working a, a, a nine to five job right now. Yeah. Yeah. You can, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at willscut 44. Uh, admittedly, I'm not as active uh, on Twitter nowadays, but uh, after every Dolphins win, I'm, I'm tweeting out a couple, a couple words. I, I'm sure you can guess those words. Because <laughs> when you say Miami, uh, talking Super Bowl, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Willie Finns, uh, always a pleasure, my friend. I'll see you here in a couple days. Uh, enjoy Phoenix, one of my favorite cities on the planet. Uh, I love I'll be there Phoenix, soon man. enough. Uh, we'll 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 go tear up the uh, the final four in April. Looking forward to it, man. I am I am looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to next week in Dallas too. I'm looking forward to ordering a Tiger King at Standard Four, man. I'm counting down the days. Time for Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online, oagks.com, o'connoradvisorygroup.com, and you can check out the Coach Bodo's podcasts available wherever you find podcasts. And Coach Bo joins us right now. Uh, Bo, first question: Will you be the next Speaker of the House? I was going to say that you know I was going to say there are currently two job openings I'm willing to take: the Boston Red Sox, the general manager, and the Speaker of the House. I'm willing to be the Speaker of the House. I think I'd make a very good Speaker of the House. Which one would you rather be? I'd rather be the Red Sox general manager. I would excel at that job. I think. I'd be a really good. I mean, I'd be the best speaker of the house of all time because I'd I'd, I'd wield that gavel. Yeah, I would need a bigger gavel, and I need a I need like a boomerang gavel because I'd throw it at some people. The people that deserve it for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. There'd be plenty of people get. I would walk around and start smacking them with the gavel like like a, like a nun in the Catholic school. I'd be curious how you would treat your Jonah Hill character if uh, they'd be working under you as GM. Um, as a general manager, I think I'd be pretty good. I, I think baseball's different than everything else as a general manager. It's it's so um, like baseball. Not about just the product you put on the field in the in the big leagues. There's so much about building the about building your minor league system as well. Right. And, you know, you're also in charge of the baseball parts that are so big now as far as, you know, building a business. It's interesting right. what's going on there. And, it, yeah, that's an interesting job, especially in that situation. But that's my team. I'd love to do it. I'd be, I'd be, I would, I would, the, the dream job for me is the general manager of the Red Sox. That, that job is open. Like what I'm saying, like referring to Moneyball, yeah. if, if you're GM and you got that, Jonah Hill guy Smart. You know, character. Oh, I, underneath you. and he throws out this ridiculous idea. Like I, I feel like that you're you're not going to let him walk out of there without his head chopped off. No, I actually believe in a lot of this, the statistic stuff in baseball. I believe but, in a lot of that idea. But the one time he has a bad idea, you're going to let him have it. That's my point. We'll see. In baseball, there's not that many bad ideas. It really isn't. It's yeah. how you it's how you you know do the idea more than right. anything else. It's about how you use that the information and whatnot. I, I don't know. I I think you have to be different nowadays. Sure. Um, in that in um, that league, especially. Thomas Bridges is here as well. We'll uh, pick our games this week and the standings. We are through 
what, six weeks now, and it is tight. Um, bonk. We uh, we have yours truly leading at 26 and 24. And then Tom and Bo at 24 and 26. So uh, we are all very close uh, as we continue this. And so, Bo, without further ado, let's get started with the college slate this week. OU, Texas, Cotton Bowl, both teams are undefeated. First time uh, since 2011 that OU and Texas are both undefeated entering the Red River shootout. 11 a.m., Cotton Bowl in Dallas. Best rivalry in college football. Doesn't get any better than this. Bo, uh, what do you think uh, about this matchup here? Texas favored six and a half, basically by a touchdown here. Yeah. I, man, I, I got to tell you, I'm impressed with Texas. Now, I I watched their game against Kansas this past week, and they came out slow. I mean, they had every opportunity to just put the throttle down on Kansas. You know, Kansas not having Jason, not having the quarterback and everything that went with that. But I really was impressed with the way Texas kept things going and in the second half just pulled away. They're a really well-coached team. Now, having said all that, and I haven't watched a lot of Oklahoma. I've seen a little bit. And what I've seen, again, I've seen them against lesser competition. So it's really hard to get a good gauge on who they are right now. I've never been good at picking this game. Um, when I pick Texas, Oklahoma usually beats them. When I pick Oklahoma, that's the year that Texas ends up playing above their head and wins the game. I really think Texas is a good team right now. They're playing well. They're well coached. I'm going to go with Texas. I think this is close, like right at a touchdown. I don't see the spread being too far off at all. But I'm going to take Texas. But I wouldn't be surprised this is even closer. I mean, it's hard for me to jump against Texas right now. And if this were any wider a margin, I probably would take Oklahoma. I just don't have a real good feel for it, though. You know, I look at this, Tom, uh, this matchup here. I've been impressed with OU and Texas both. Uh, I've been really surprised about OU's defense. Uh, they're exactly what they need to be. At 5-0, and oh, they've passed every test they're supposed to. But Texas is – and I've been very high on Texas even before the season began. I, I told you I thought Texas was going to make the playoff. Um, Texas might be the most talented team in the country. I, I think that, to put it mildly, they got more dogs – that OU does um, with Xavier Worthy, Quinn Ewers, and company. I, I think they're more talented team. I think OU could make it competitive. They might be able to slow down Texas a little bit. It's been a long time since we've seen an OU team that's been carried by their defense. They got one of the better defenses in the country, which I didn't see coming. I think OU can hang through three quarters, but I expect Texas to pull away at the end. I'll, I'll go with Texas to win and cover six and a half. What say you, Tom? Yeah, if it was seven and a half, I'd probably take OU, to be honest. I mean, we saw what happened last year, and um, I've kind of known not to bet against OU, but, you know, Texas looks – and I don't think it's Sark either. I don't think it's Sark. I think finally they have enough competent coaching to to do what they should do even without competent coaching. Um, I'm I'm not a believer in Sark. But that being said, um, I think they can get the job done. So give me give me Texas by six and a half. If it was seven and a half, I'd probably have to take OU. 
All right. So uh, everybody going Texas across the board. So that means OU is going to win. Uh, probably, you're probably right. Number 20, Kentucky taking on number one, Georgia. Georgia favored by 14 and a half. Bo, I know everybody is pointing to Georgia in their quarterback situation. You especially. Uh, I wasn't even watching that game. I was at the Kansas game. My phone's blown up from Bo telling me about Carson Beck. Um, <laughs> Bo, I, I understand. Believe me, uh, you know, Carson Beck, not the best quarterback in the world. 14 and a half. This is the hardest game for me to pick all week. This seems like the opportunity, though, I think, for Georgia to get back on track and, and really to insert their will here. I like Georgia to cover. What are you thinking here? Okay, so I think Georgia's a more talented team. I think Georgia's a better coach team. And I think Georgia's in the point now with these next three or four weeks, they're going to start turning it on. And we'll start seeing the Georgia we've seen the last couple of years. Uh, Kentucky is a mini version of Georgia. They play defense. They run the ball. I think that the two teams trying to run the ball is going to shorten this game up. I'm taking Kentucky plus 14 and a half. I'm taking the 14 and a half here thinking that's three scores. And I just don't see a situation right now where a shortened up game, Georgia is going to beat anybody, but anybody like good by three scores. So, again, if this were 14, probably wouldn't go there. Under 14, I would definitely flip to the other side. But 14 and a half means I got two touchdowns and I got the hook. I'm taking Kentucky here. I, I could see Georgia win this game in a blowout, but I think it's still a low scoring. I'd like to see the over-under number. I haven't looked at that yet. I might play that instead. But uh, give me Kentucky in 14 and a half. Okay. Uh, by the way, that uh, over num over under number for Kentucky Georgia is uh, at forty eight right now. Let me look. I gotta pull that up too. Uh, so we'll see how that uh, ultimately yeah, goes. So you're figuring on a forty eight. You're figuring on a thirty six, twenty two kind of game. Yeah. You know, I, and again, if I'm taking the under, yeah, yeah, I think under is where I gotta go. I don't think the Georgia scores five times in this game. Right. Five touchdowns, yeah. Uh, Tom, what do you think here? I think Georgia does. I like, I like GA. All right. Uh, moving on. Number 10, Notre Dame, and number 25, Louisville. Louisville is undefeated. Jeff Brom's doing a really good job in his first year as their head coach. Notre Dame escapes at Duke last week. Uh, they're in a six-and-a-half-point favorite on the road here. Bo, what do you think? Okay, so Notre Dame, uh, again, you said escapes. I mean, they had that game, but they outplayed Duke the entire game defensively, and they run the ball well. And then Duke got the late touchdown, goes up. Notre Dame was able to get down and score at the end uh, when basically Duke just could stop anybody at that last possession. I like Notre Dame here. But I don't know that I like them a lot. I saw this has been bet down to six um, on a couple of sites now. So I feel better at laying six to six and a half. But I do like Notre Dame. Um, but again, this is one of those games I'm not sold. There's a lot of games I'm not sold on this week. This is a tough one for me. 
I'm going to take Notre Dame, but I, it's because I like the run game and their defense is not a bad defense. It's a really good one, actually. Yeah, I'm waiting for the Sam Hartman takeover game. Uh, we know he's capable. I think this could be the week. I'll go with Notre Dame to cover six and a half, get it done there on the road at Louisville. Tom, how about you? Yeah, I think they beat Louisville. I, I think you said six and a half. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're probably going to get the job done. Like, uh, I'm not going to bet against them. Um, Number 23, LSU. Number 21, Mizzou. LSU favored six and a half on the road. Mizzou is off the best start they've had in a long time. They're 5-0. and oh. Their marquee win, of course, was uh, against K-State. LSU coming off a loss to Ole Miss. Uh, also lost earlier this year to Florida State. Six and a half, though, for a two-loss team on the road is a lot of points. Uh, what do you think here about your Tigers? Number four ranked offense in the country. Scored 49 points. They scored touchdowns on seven of ten possessions last weekend. They lost the game 51-49 on the last possession. They had a chance to win it at the end of the game with 30 seconds to go. They got inside of 10. Just couldn't get just couldn't get it done. High scoring LSU offense goes in there, scores a lot of points. I don't see Mizzou scoring enough points here. That's not because I think LSU's defense is good. They certainly aren't. Um, but I don't think Mizzou's ready to score, go up there and score 40 points. They're gonna need to win to beat them be in there with LSU. Give me LSU in this case. I'll go LSU as well. Mizzou's improved, but they're not a serious team. Uh, we're going to be frank here. Eli Drinkwitz has done a good job this year, but they are not to LSU's level. I like LSU to win and cover six and a half. Tom, how about you? I like LSU too. I like, I'm like, oh, okay, can they really get the job done? I think maybe one and one and ten type thing that they can actually do it. So I like LSU here. All right. Last college game, Syracuse, uh, taking on number 14, North Carolina. This is Bo's favorite game of the entire week. Uh, Drake May, the second-best young quarterback in the country, uh, an eight-point favorite, taking on a Syracuse team that's not bad at 4-1, and one. Did coming off loss to Clemson last week. Uh, Bo, what do we think here? Uh, can North Carolina cover eight here? You know, this is your boy, Drake May, and I know you love you some Drake May. Um He's just another white boy to me. I know I've said that with you guys beforehand. Um, he's a better, he's a better that, version of Carson Palmer. I'm telling you that right yeah, now. I, man, I think he's another, you know, Will Levis, you know, Paxton Lynch, Blaine Gabbard. He's another guy. He's not, nothing. I, I, I see people are talking about he's a top 10 pick in this draft, and maybe he is, but I've never seen anything that just overly impresses me with him. Um this game's been bet up to eight and a half already. I wouldn't be surprised if it's higher. Uh, I'm taking UNC, and the reason I'm taking it is that if you lose to Clemson this season, you're a shitty team, plain and simple. So I, I'm going to take North Carolina. Whoa, lose to them, you're a shitty team immediately? Yes. Clemson sucks. Clemson's an awful team. I don't think they're team. that good, but I don't think they're oh, they're it's you bad. You you lose you lose to Clemson, you're not a good team. So yeah, they're not a good team. Give me the kid. Give me a give me a guy with he's a, he's a good college quarterback. And Drake May is an excellent college quarterback. He is. 
He's going to be in the pros. He's probably going to be a starter somewhere for at least a little bit. He's going to get a chance. So there's a reason this has gotten bet up already to eight and a half. It'll get bet up to nine, nine and a half before game time. Yeah. Go ahead and give me North Carolina. North Carolina's a good team. Mike Brown's doing a good job. Drake Bay is well on his way. I'm going with North Carolina win and cover uh, that margin. Tom, what do you think here about uh, North Carolina favored by eight? I'll take your advice. Hey, simple as that. So I'm going with North Carolina. Uh, to the NFL we go. Uh, the game of the year in the National Football League. The Cowboys and the Niners. Uh, man, what a matchup we have here. Niners are favored by four. Um, Bo, two teams that are very similar in style. They love to run the football. Play great defense. Um, I am very interested in this football game. Niners favored by four here. What do you think? Okay, you said something that's correct and incorrect about the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys can run the football. They don't like running the football. I, McCarthy wants to run the football. They just not, get not according to his play calling. He does not according to his play call because with, in the last two seasons when they've run the football. More than they've thrown it, they've won every game. However, they still can't run the ball the way they want to as far as the number of times in the game. And they're going to have to in this game. Yeah. Um, I went back and I, I watched last week's Cowboys game, and there is some – they have an unbelievably good defense. Yeah. I will say this. The, the Cowboys are the best defense in the NFL right now. Okay. And it's going to keep them in every game. If you look at last week's game, that is a really good microcosm of who they are. Their defense scores two touchdowns for them, gets turnovers for them, puts them in good field position, and they want to get cute with the ball and try to throw it around the field. They threw the, they had that big lead in the game. They couldn't, they only converted one touchdown in three red zone opportunities on offense. And that was in the fourth quarter late in the game with a big lead. I think that the Cowboys are going to have a problem in these good games with teams like the 49ers, with the Eagles, when they play those upper echelon teams, if they don't run the football, run the thing more than Dak throws it. If they do that, they will win this game. They will win. They'll go into San Francisco and beat them. If they run the ball more times than they throw it, I guarantee you they don't, and I guarantee you the 49ers cover this spread. I know it's four now. I saw it bet down to three and a half. If it gets bet down even more, and again, I wanted like I wanted to watch that Cowboys game and be like, hey, this is the team. They're going to run the ball. I thought for sure last year they were going to run the ball a whole bunch, and it'd be tough to beat. No, they didn't. Give me the 49ers here. Now, I've, I've also been getting a lot of shit about Brock Purdy from you on my podcast in Uncle Rico. Brock Purdy went 21 of 22 last week. And all these little dink and duck throws. He looks like Alex Smith out there. He had two deep balls he threw, both caught for big games. But the 49ers have the current MVP of the league. Christian McCaffrey yeah. is incredible. They played like they were in slow motion this past week. Yeah. And watching them this past week offensively, it was like, 
well, you know what we're going to do. We're just better than you right now. Right. The 49ers are better than the Cowboys right now. The Cowboys have a chance. They can go in there and beat them. They're not going to do what they need to do to win it, though. <laughs> Give me the 49ers. I don't think this game is four points. I think uh, now to add to what you said here, coaching, I think, is a big difference here. I'll take yeah, Kyle Shanahan over McCarthy every day. I think Shanahan's going to come in with a better game plan than McCarthy is. Yeah. Um, and Rock Purdy looking really good. He has still not lost a regular season game as a starter yet. He's doing everything he needs to do. And McCaffrey looks fantastic. That defense looks good. Niners win and cover four at home. Uh, if this game was in Dallas, it uh, could be a little more interesting. But I, I don't see the Niners letting this game go by the wayside, you know, in their own building here. I'll take San Francisco. How about you, Tom? Yeah, I don't I don't see – like, my first pick was, hey, let's get Dallas going. But to be honest, I think San Fran gets the job done. Like, I can't. I can't pick against San Fran. All right. Eagles and Rams. Uh, Eagles favored by four and a half here. Bo, the Eagles look as good as any team in the NFL, but the Rams are are surprising some people. They've been an interesting football team this year. Uh, Philly at four and a half here. I would say this, what makes this more interesting than people think too, like this is a this is one of the rare teams that can kind of hang pound for pound with the with the Eagles in the line of scrimmage with having the, the Aaron Donald factor here. Yeah, I the Eagles offensive line is so good in the middle that I, they're not going to handle Aaron Donald. I mean, that's just not going to happen. But they're going to give themselves a good chance here. I mean, the Eagles are a better team. The Rams have played exceedingly well. Better than I thought they were going to they were going to be coming in. I like the Eagles. I like the four and a half. <clears throat> but boy, I can see the Rams keeping this thing close. I really can. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if this thing sneaks under four and a half with a late score by the Rams. Uh, I'm going to take the Eagles, but boy, I'm not counting the Rams out at home. This would be difficult. I feel a little differently in Philly, but I think the Rams have a shot here. I hate agreeing with you so much, Bo, but I got to go Philly here. Uh, play the hot hand. They keep it rolling. Saint, I almost call them St. Louis. <laughs> Los Angeles can keep it interesting, but this is a game where I think eventually Philly inserts their will and they finish off in the fourth quarter and they win this cover that four and a half. Tom, are you rolling with your Rams or you're st- sticking with the defending NFC champs? I'd love to roll with the Rams, to be honest, but the – the Eagles are so good, and and here's the here's the kicker: if DeAndre Swift wasn't playing out of his fucking mind, then I'd, I I would probably take the Rams four and a half, no worries, right? But Swift is playing incredible, and the Rams' run defensive has not been that good. So give me the Eagles. Like I think I agree with Bo. I think it'll be close, but I'm not going to be like, yeah, the Rams are going to win by a touchdown or more. Like, no. Yeah. Um, If they do, you know, here's the deal, too. If they do, well, 
Hell yeah. If they don't, no worries. So so you're going with the Rams here? No, I'm going with the Eagles. Oh, you're going with the Eagles here. Sorry, sorry. Okay. Um, Ravens and Steelers. Sounds like Kenny Pickett will play. Uh, was knocked out last week's game. Trubisky finished. That offense has been terrible. Matt Canada needs to be fired immediately. Tom needs to go all Billy Donovan on uh, Matt Canada, the Steelers. <laughs> Ravens, meanwhile, had a nice bounce-back win last week against Cleveland. Granted, they didn't have Deshaun Watson, but the Ravens look really good. The Ravens are really banged up. Bo, this is an interesting game because with the Ravens' injury situation, this is a week-to-week league. Ravens favored by four. I don't know what Ravens team we're going to get. Are we going to get the Ravens team that found a way to lose to the Colts at home or the Ravens team that showed up and lit the world on fire against the Browns last week uh, with them favored by four here? To me, this is this is harder to pick just because of the unknown here. I see where you're going with that. To me, this is actually an easy one, and it's not because of the Ravens. It's because of the Steelers. The Steelers are off. They're off. They just can't score any points. You know, um, they're not going to score any points. Doesn't matter which quarterback is in there right now. Matt Canada absolutely should be fired. Uh, I mean, he's been a he's been a con artist since 2017 at LSU. How he's in the NFL, I have no clue. Um, I would let that guy coach a team in the MAC conference. I wouldn't um, let him coach my JV team. Oh my God, he's awful. Jesus. <laughs> Give me the Ravens here. I think the Ravens going there and just absolutely club the Steelers in this game. Yeah, this has always been that game. This used to be that physical. You know, we had this game back when it was like Paul Amalu and Ray Lewis and Ed Reed, and this is the game like you like you knew you were going to see somebody get jacked up in this game. This is going to be a this is going to be a fist. This is going to be a fist fight. This is going to be someone getting jacked. Like the Ravens are going to steal the Steelers' chain, go run outside and just wave it around. This is not going to be close. Give me the Ravens. Got jacked up. Yeah. <laughs> Best segment in the history of Monday Night Countdown. Bring it back. Tom, who do you got here? Ravens favorite by four on the road. Yeah, I got to take the Ravens. I mean, they're banged up a little bit, but, I mean, let's be honest. Who you got? I, I got the Ravens. Um, I, yeah. I My fear here is just what Ravens team is going to show up because I could very well see with all these injuries – that they play exactly like they did against the Colts a couple weeks ago and make it a game when it shouldn't be. But we'll see. Uh, Jags and Bills in London. Bills coming off a great performance last week against the Fins. Uh, The Jags stayed in London after their win, uh, you know, last week against the Falcons. Um, And now the Bills are favored by five and a half. Bo, what do we think about this one here is – a little different scenario. We, I don't think we've ever seen a team play back-to-back international games here uh, and stay uh, over there and everything. Yeah, well, this is the thing with the Jags. They're, they're having the stadium issues in Jacksonville. They have to do some stuff there. So you know, their ownership loves England anyway, and they have, they have a soccer team there as well. So to them, it was no big deal for you know for the upper the, the ownership, the Khan family. Um, I think it's going to be a t- an issue for the Jags, the team to be two weeks away, to be over in England, to not have, not be in your facility for two weeks. I think that's a big deal when it's all said and done. But the other thing that's a big deal is the Bills are coming in confident. They just lit up a team that scored 70 the week before. They're going to go in there and light the Jags up. 
This game ain't close either. Give me the Bills playing five and a half. This Nobody, game's this game will be almost seven by the time it gets the game. It gets the game time. Nobody circles the wagon like the Buffalo Bills. Um, they had a bad game week one, and they played great ever since. Bills have turned the corner. They're on the right track. I got to go Buffalo here. Tom, we were agreeing with both so much here. Does it continue? Are you going with Buffalo or are you going with the Jacksonville Jacks or the London Jacks? You got to be stupid if you don't go with the Bills. Simple as that. I love it, Tom. Uh, last game, Texans, Falcons. Falcons favored by two. Both two young coaches in the league, Arthur Smith, D'Amico Ryans. I like what both these guys are doing with their teams here and how they're developing. Uh, both of them with the same record here. Atlanta favored by two. What do you think? I like both these teams a lot. Um, I think if you get to like week 12 or week 13, you don't play either of these two teams. I think these two teams are also going to be division winners. It's all said and done. I think the Falcons are going to win the South in the NFC. I think the Texans are going to win their division in the South as well. We were talking in the offseason about the Texans, and I said that was the job. That was the most underrated job and the one job opening in the NFL that was the best job opening because you had this blank canvas and you knew you were getting one of those quarterbacks. C.J. Stroud was also the quarterback we said at draft time was the most ready, NFL ready day one. We've proved to be right so far on that. I like the Texans here. I'm going to take them plus the two. I think the Texans are going to win outright. I think this Texans team is on a roll. I think this Texans team wins the AFC South. I think they're going to end up with 10 wins, and there's a chance they roll somebody in the playoff. There's a chance that they're the team that knocks somebody out in the playoffs. Uh, I looked at their schedule already. I, I, I'm calling the 10 wins now, and you're thinking I'm crazy, but I've looked at the schedule. They don't play Buffalo and Kansas City. They have one of the easiest schedules in the they league. Have, because they have a last play schedule, they don't play those other division rivals. They don't play the 49ers. They don't play the Eagles. They avoid those four and a couple of others. And because of that, I like the Texans. Give me the Texans. I'll take the two. And this is one of the easier games for me to pick this week. Not to say anything bad about the Falcons. I think the Falcons are an improving team. I like what I've seen so far with them. And when they gel – they're going to be really good. They have a great run, a really good run game. It'll be great. B. John Robinson's great. And I think with Desmond Ritter gets a little more time and a little more confidence, the timing with some receivers, they'll score some more points as well. They'll be dangerous down the down at the end of the season. They'll be one of those teams in the South, the NFC South, that can get the nine wins and win that division with a nine-eight record. So Give me, but I want to take the Texans right now in this. One. Well, Bo's not going to be past me for the lead this week because I'm going with Houston. Uh, and I swear I was not just picking to protect the lead. Uh, I like the Texans a lot uh, for a lot of the same reasons Bo did. Uh, I I think that Houston, that defense, Miko Ryan's is doing a hell of a job. The defense makes a statement. Uh, I'll go with a Houston to. Uh, to get it done here. Bo, uh, you, you went with Houston. I got Houston. Tom, you going to make it three for three? Oh, I got to I gotta take Houston. I mean, CJ Stroud's looking incredible. Like, why wouldn't you take Houston right now? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. 100%.
Uh, all right. So those are our picks against the spread this week. Uh, we're all pretty much on the same page on picks, but uh, we'll see how it all ultimately uh, plays out when it's all said and done. But let's uh, get some headlines around the NFL, then we'll talk uh, college football here um, and uh, go from there. Well, I want to start with, with with New England here in this situation. They're one and three. You lose Matthew Judon, one of the best pass rushers in football. He might be done for the year. You lose Christian Gonzalez, your uh, stellar rookie who was playing really good football, and he's done for the year. And Mac Jones played horrible last week. Three turnovers, two of them resulting in defensive scores. Where the hell do the Patriots and Bill Belichick go from here? Is the end near for Belichick and this Patriots franchise like the time to totally start over and hit that that reset button here? Or is there a possibility they could turn a corner potentially and still salvage this season? They did just trade for uh, J.C. Jackson here. It's going to be hard for the Patriots. Look, they're in a they're in a tough division. You know, you got Buffalo there. You've got the Dolphins there. We saw the Jets turn the turn the tables a little bit on the Chiefs in that game. Um, you know, I, they're not the, they're the, they're, as far as team talent. They're fourth in the division. Now they got Belichick, but since Brady left, and I don't want to say that Belichick's success is because of Brady because I don't believe that. I believe that neither of them had the success without the other right. over the span of their careers. But I do believe that. Belichick has been, I don't want to call it lazy, but I want to say that he's been more of, oh, well, let's go with what we got. He hasn't been quite as inventive. Maybe that has to do with Mac Jones. Um, I I look at this right now and I think they're in trouble. I don't know if it means that Belichick is done. I, I, I tend to think just given his age and his experience, he may be close but they're not a good team right now and they're not going to make the playoffs. This is not a good, uh, first of all, they're not good enough as a team. I don't think that Belichick is going to be this, you know, great wizard that all of a sudden just get them there. They're going to have to make some kind of blanket changes. I don't know if Mac Jones is the quarterback for the future in his team. I don't think it's Bailey Zappi either. Um, you know, I, they're not a very talented team. That's just bottom line. Yeah, I mean, I look at you, know, you look at their roster. They got some good receivers, good backs, defense. I think the defense is actually really good. But Bo, you, you look at that Patriots team, they don't have an offensive line at all, and they don't have elite talent on offense. In this league, you know, maybe Mac Jones isn't an elite quarterback. I get that. And you know, not everybody can be. But if you don't have an elite quarterback, you gotta have elite playmakers and they don't have one or the other like they just have good but not great players and that doesn't work in this league yeah I just, if you don't have that go-to thing offensively and or that dominant defensive player that you have to account for offensively every play you're really hurting right now and that the, the patriots just have and whether that's because they've traded down every year in the draft and they haven't picked high they don't have a game changer to go to, and that hurts them quite a bit. I, I, I want to see what they're going to do. I, I just, I'm not going to sit here and say that Belichick is done, but given his age and situation, I tend to think that the the end is near. 
it, it feels like an NBA team that, you know, is a borderline playoff team. They they can't compete for a championship, but they're not good enough to tank either and be, you know, not bad enough to tank over either and get the superstar talent they need. Uh, and that, that's a good way of putting it. Meanwhile, another team that's struggling right now, the New York football Giants, just got their ass handed to them by the Seahawks on Monday night. Uh, 11 sacks given up. The offense was horrendous. Um, the defense didn't play well. Brian Dable made some horrible decisions. Daniel Jones looked bad. They didn't have Saquon Barkley, but you know Saquon wasn't the reason why they lost that game. I mean, Bo, this team played over their heads last year. They overachieved. They won a playoff game. What the hell happened to the New York Giants from last year to now? They've certainly regressed. Um, they've regressed offensively, I think, without Saquon Barkley. Daniel Jones has not been good at all. Um, I mean, not good at all. I mean, he's been awful. And I don't think it's necessarily a Brian Dayball thing, but they're shell-shocked. I think they're still shell-shocked from week one, getting getting hit the way they did. They've been hitting the mouth in every game, seemingly. They got hit in the mouth by the Cardinals. They got hit in the mouth by the Cowboys week one. They got hit in the mouth again this past week against the Seahawks. They're not a real talented team, and they are they're 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 not in a position again. They're in a tough division situation. The Eagles are there. The Cowboys are there. The Commanders look a little bit better. Man, I I, I don't know what it is, but. The Giants are still shell-shocked from week one. They have been. They've played like they got all season now. And at this point, I don't know how you could pick them in a pick them kind of situation. And I don't know a game right now if they would be a favorite. Yeah. Um, the Commanders look considerably better than them in that division. And who would have thought, you know? I mean. Yeah. So. Well, uh, yeah, I think the commanders are are being really well coached, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. Yeah, BNB's doing a really good job, and Sam Howell looks uh very good. Yeah. Another team that's struggling, that's on the struggle bus right now, the Cincinnati Bengals at one and three. Um, you know, me, you, and, and Tom, we we've had our exchanges of text messages uh over the last several days, uh, and specifically about Zach Taylor. And, you know, here they were last week. I mean, didn't even get off the bus. You know, got blown out by Tennessee, who's not a good team either. 27-3. to three. Joe Burrow's not healthy. They're 1-3. Bo, it, it's an interesting predicament because you play Arizona this week. You should win. But Joe Burrow's got to get healthy. Like, if, if he gets healthy and they can somehow get through this, then maybe you stumble in the playoffs but you're the team that nobody faces. But then on the flip side, too, like, can you get through these next few weeks without Joe Burrow, too? I mean, it, it is a it, it is a tough pill to swallow that the, the Bengals are going through right now. Okay, so first off, Joe Burrow is very hurt. You can tell. I mean, yeah. just watch him. He's hurt. I mean, he, he shouldn't be out there right now. No. No bigger Joe Burrow fan than I am, but he should be playing football right now. You can tell he's hurt. Everything about how they're playing, he's hurt. Um, he can't throw the ball like he's used to throw it. He can't move his body. And he is very he's he's he, he shouldn't be playing at all right now. I think they rushed him back because they had these high expectations. 
and I think that their season is over. There is no comeback now, getting the playoffs. Not even Joe Burrow is going to be able to save them at this point. I mean, you could they could have Jesus a quarterback. It wasn't going to make a difference right now. Uh-huh. Uh, and I say that because the guy with the headset on. Zach Taylor is the worst head coach in the NFL. This is his fourth season as the head coach of the Bengals. He has yet to make an offensive uh, an offensive shift or change or anything during a game. He comes out with a plan. It's usually a piss-poor plan, and he makes no in-game adjustments whatsoever. He hasn't in three years plus now. This is his fourth season. Um, he rode Joe Burrow into the Super Bowl last year and, again, came up with a very piss-poor plan for the Super Bowl, and they lost. Or the championship game, and lost. The year before in the Super Bowl, and they lost. Um, they have a talented team. They have one of the top five playmakers in the NFL. The one game they have won, it was from moving Jamar Chase around the field and putting the ball in his hands 14 times. They haven't done that in any other game. Joe Burrow's hurt. The defense has been hey, – the defense has been stellar at times for the Bengals. The biggest problem right now, next to Joe Burrow's injury, well, ahead of Joe Burrow's injury, is Zach Taylor. Yeah. Zach Taylor should not be a head coach in the NFL. There's no way he should be a coach with an offense that has Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Yeah. This guy has a job as a head coach in the NFL because he was hanging around Sean McVay and in his orbit for 10 minutes as a quarterback coach and went from a quarterback's coach to the head coach. He drops into a situation where, oh, my God, they handed you the second-best quarterback in the NFL. Again, one of the top three or four weapons in the NFL in Jamar Chase, and he still can't figure it out. Zach Taylor's the number one problem with that franchise right now. They're not going to fire him in season. I don't think they're going to fire him at all. I know that Bengals fans are calling for him to be fired. That's not how the Brown family runs a team. They've stuck with coaches before for a decade. I mean, that's why Zach Taylor took that job. He's not getting fired anytime soon. And right now, I wouldn't trust that guy to wash my car. Right. He is not a good head coach. I don't know that he's even a good offensive coordinator because he's never been one. Right. You know, we talked last year about the Broncos situation where they brought a head coach in who was going to be the head coach and the offensive play caller. He'd never been either. Right. Why is it any different than Zach Taylor? Why? Because you gave him Joe Burrow? Because you gave him Jamar Chase? He's shown you can't do it. They got talented players all over the goddamn field. And the in-game adjustments thing is just blowing my mind how bad it is. He doesn't adjust. And part of that is that you not only have to have a plan for what you're going to do, but for what your opponent's going to come back at you with defensively so that you then adjust off of that. Yeah. And it's not the idea of halftime adjustments. It's the idea of your first 15 plays are mostly scripted. So you can show the defense, this is the formations we want. We're going to see how they match up against us. We'll make some tweaks. They don't tweak anything. Yeah. This is a horrible team. 
because of how poorly they're coached. Plain and simple. If you dropped any number of NFL coaches right now into that job, they would be, they wouldn't be one and three. They would at least be two and two or three and one. Right. Because they'd figure out a better way to hide Joe Burrow. Yeah. It, it's 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 insulting how bad Zach Taylor is. <laughs> I, I I need to find out who owns the domain name firezachtaylor.com. Because whoever owns it, I'll put it out there. If you own it, I will give you $1,000 to sell it to me right now. Because Taylor should be fired immediately. And without haste, I wouldn't have let him, I would have fired him on the tarmac like Lane Kiffin if I were the Bengals this past week. You go on trial for it? If they called me tomorrow, I'd be there there as quickly as I could possibly get there. (laughs) <laughs> but the honest thing is hold on I, I got a deal for you uh did a little quick uh research zach taylor is just z-a-c correct yes yeah you can buy firezachtaylor.com on godaddy right now for a penny go get it for me right now done uh, i'll we will we will i will have i will talk about it okay we'll host that sucker okay because he he's terrible and, and look, th- th- he doesn't even give the Bengals this point a not just an uncompetitive and not a competitive edge. He doesn't give them a competitive chance in a game right now. It's beyond horrible. And honestly, the Bengals are trying to keep Joe Burrow out there because, like you said earlier in the lead into this, that th- maybe they uh, hope against hope that they're going to get into the playoffs. They still play the Eagles. They still play the Chiefs. They still play the 49ers. They still play the Cowboys. But those are four losses. They've already got three. They're going to lose a couple more games in division. This game's – if I'm the Bengals, it's time to tank. It's time to sit Joe Burrow down. It's time to go ahead and give him the rest of the season off and say, hey, get healed. Do whatever you got to do to get as high a draft pick as you can. Yeah. Brock Bowers to the Bengals. Ooh. Brock Bowers to the Bengals. Get me the fifth pick in this draft if I'm the Bengals. You can get the first round. Georgia. Yeah, that Do they have the first round? Yeah, yeah they didn't trade that pick. Yeah. And, you know, when, uh, when they trade off T. Higgins, uh, they'll get another first round pick, too. So. Yeah, do I trade T. Higgins? I mean, it, go ahead and get what you can get there. I mean, it, it sucks. But yeah, they can't. They can't afford him. Can't pay. No, him. and you can't afford him right now. And he's not going to help you win this season. All right. I mean, it doesn't matter. It, you know, there's nobody you can put in there for Joe Burrow right now. Where you're going to go? Okay, yeah, they're they're a success again. They're just not going to be. This is the season's over for the Bengals. One more failing coach to get to uh, that is even worse than Zach Taylor, believe it or not. Uh, Matt Eberflus, the head coach of the the Bears. Um, They've lost, what is it, 14, 15 in a row. It's been almost a full calendar year since the Bears won a football game. It has been a disgrace what they've done. And the Bears had all this hype. I think you and I both thought that this was going to be the year that Justin Fields took another step up as a quarterback. 
And I don't even necessarily blame him because that coaching staff and that offensive line have been so terrible. It would have been hard for any quarterback to succeed in that situation. But that said, Bo, I mean, what what a disaster. What a mess. I think they're going to lose tonight to the commanders and Iberflus probably out of a job at that point. Like it, it looks like the end is near. Well, and you look at the the Bears. I think we all thought about the Justin Fields thing was, hey, this was a team in the Bears that saw something in him. They committed to Justin Fields by the way they drafted, by not by trading the number one overall pick. Said, right. hey, we like what we see with Justin Fields. We saw glimpses of it. And we athletically still see glimpses once in a while. It's just they're not a good team. They're just not, they're not well, they're not, they don't execute well. They don't have a good plan when they go into games. Justin Fields is going to be a better quarterback when he's in a different uniform. Yeah. And I don't know if that means he'll be, he won't may not be a starter anywhere, but he's going to have a better opportunity somewhere where he can start over. Uh, 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 Cardinals. Shit, why not? I mean, just just anybody could take him right now and in the, the pressures of not being in Chicago, the pressures of not having a poor coaching staff, the pressures of not being the franchise quarterback. Yeah. Give him is, some is, Kyler, is Kyler Murray done? I don't know. Probably, yeah. I think so. I think he's done there simply right. because – you know he they're not they're not in a rush to bring him back now. Dobbs not playing horrible. The contract's the big thing, and I don't know how they get get out of that. If they can get Caleb Williams, then I think they're going to do what they can to move on from Kyler Murray. And try to get something yeah. out. And Dobbs is not bad. Dobbs isn't the future plan. But no, no, he, well, no, he's but he's not horrible. He's serviceable for this season, right? Yeah, he's, he's the Cardinals. The Cardinals have been competitive. He's playing. He's playing better than Kenny Pickett is. Yeah, the Cardinals have been serviceable in a couple of games this year. They play they better than expected. Yeah. yeah, but but there, I mean, I don't know if they finish in the finish first in the Caleb Williams Derby either. Right, right now, right he, now, the Bears would have the first and the second pick in the draft. Yeah, it's a good point. It's probably like, hey, we want to fucking eat shit too. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's uh, let's move on to college football now, real quick. USC, I mean, they just don't play defense. They can put up points all day. Caleb Williams is looking fantastic. Future Bears quarterback, Caleb Williams. Uh, uh-huh. He's looked great. The offense is rolling, but why the hell, Bo has? Uh, Lincoln Riley stood by Alex Grinch all these years. Alex Grinch did a terrible job at OU as DC. Brings him to USC. Things aren't any better. Is this sustainable? Can USC make the playoffs and win a national championship with this bad of a defense here? No. No is the answer. Um, they, they, they were averaging 55 points a game coming into this game against Colorado. And Caleb Williams looked tremendous against Colorado. I mean, he looked, he had the one bad throw that was the first interception of the year. And that throw was really similar to the one that Mahomes did the next night on, you know, in, uh, in New York. Um, They're going to score points. They're going to score points with anybody, but they're going to run into both Oregon and Washington. 
Yeah. Teams that can score points with them. I don't know that Oregon can score enough points. They can score as many points as USC can, but Washington can. And both Oregon and Washington can play defense. <sighs> USC drops one of those games, if not both. Yeah, and I agree. And I'll tell you the team I don't want to play if I'm one of those. I don't want to play Washington. I, I think that I think they are a talented, talented team. I think Michael Penix Jr. is the second best quarterback in in college football right now. I think he can steal the Heisman Trophy from Caleb Williams if he goes up there and beats him. And the only problem is you haven't seen Washington play because when they do play, it's um, ten o'clock at night here locally, or they're on Pac-12 Network, which nobody can find. Right. So they might be the they might be the most complete team. They might be like I last week. I saw, I saw Kirk Herbstreit say he was going to vote for them the last weekend. He said he was voting for them number one, and I didn't disagree. I was like, God, I, it'd be hard for me not to think about them as number one with, with up yeah. there Georgia and Michigan and Texas. Right now, Michigan was good vote, though too. Yeah, I tell you, I want to see what Michigan does these next couple of weeks with Harbaugh back. That's going to be they're going to turn this thing. Or, turn this thing up another notch, too. I think Washington's the team to watch out over there. I think Oregon's a good team. I know Tyler and I have gone back and forth. I'm not a big Bo Nix guy, but he's played outstanding this season. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, he, he, I'm with you. I'm, not, too. I'm I, not a fan of Bo Nix either, no, but credit where credit's it, due. Yeah, I mean, he he played poorly his first couple of years at Auburn. Yeah. And he beat out a couple of guys at Auburn I thought were better athletes than him, and I thought better quarterbacks at the time. Yeah, but he's gone to Oregon, and he's had better coaching. Right, he's an offensive system that's more suited to him. You know, he doesn't have to be athletic; he just has to be a quarterback, which is different. And I think that it's a good fit for him. They're also a complete team. I, I think that that defensive issue that USC has is real. Look, San Jose State scored twenty-eight points on USC. Yeah, and they've only scored. They had them that sense. It, it's not that they get you know so far ahead. Teams are going to have to score points. It's they just allow stupid freaking plays. Like Colorado shouldn't have been in that game last week. At no point for the first two quarters did you go, "Oh wow, Colorado's really good." But in the second half, USC's defense decided they don't show up. Yeah, and Caleb and Caleb Williams has got to carry a team on his back. You know, I know his father Joe Caleb Williams' father joked about you know maybe he doesn't go pro if the right team isn't sitting at number one. But why would you want to go back to USC at this point if the defense is this bad? You're not going to win national title, right? USC's going to have to find another defensive coordinator. Yeah, I think. I so. mean, just. And they're too good at they're too big a school with too much money to not have a top notch defensive coordinator. Oh, agreed. But you know the way they play. I mean, it's so fast and they score so quick. I, I think that you know Lincoln Riley is going to have to change his offensive philosophy a bit to suit his defense. You can't have your defense on the field that much and not give up so many points either. Like. You got to play to your defensive strengths here. I also think that I, I see where you're going with that, but we've seen plenty of college teams that 
run up 60, 50, 60 points on people, and the defense still can hold teams under 21 against bad teams. Against bad teams. Yeah. Against bad teams. Yeah. And so when they play good teams, they're in trouble. Right. Because a good team is going to gonna not limit Caleb Williams, but he's not going to score at 60. Right. He didn't score 50 this week against Colorado. What's Oregon going to do? What's Washington going to do? Utah. They got to go to Utah. Now, I'm not, I don't think Utah is going to beat USC, but Utah's defense will slow that offense down. And they might have Cam rising back by then. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Um, let me ask you this. One more thing before we uh, wrap up here, Bo. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this as far as the situation goes with the top four in the playoff. Who is most likely, you think, if the playoff started today, who would be the four teams you would predict to make it? Predict or think of the best four? Or best – yeah, most best four to get in. Best yeah. four, I would say Michigan, Georgia. Um, I think Georgia's helped out because of schedule. Don't get me wrong. I think that they're helped out by being in the East. They'll beat the West champion, whoever that might end up being. Um Michigan, Georgia, the winner of the Pac-12, whether that's Oregon or Washington. And I think it's in a Texas and Florida State. Mm. I, I think that – I think you got five there. And I don't know – well, six if you include two teams from the – with really three teams from the Pac-12. Right now, if I had to say based on schedule who I think will be there, I think it will be Georgia, Michigan – I think Michigan's win the Big Ten. Um, I, I, if the Pac-12 has an undefeated team, they're in. But I think you could see this round robin where USC knocks off one, Oregon knocks off one, and Washington walks off knocks off one. They all have one loss. Yeah, um, that could happen. That could hurt them. Uh, man, I, every week I get more and more impressed with Texas. I hate to say it because I don't like them at all, but. Every week they're a little bit better. If they beat Oklahoma, and if they beat them, I don't mean in a big number. I mean, if they go out there and the game is decisive, they win that game by even seven or eight. But if they go out there and that game is never – if they're more physical than Oklahoma, I think we see the best team in the Big 12 there. And then I think they kind of get a – they'll have had their only test in the conference. Rest of that conference ain't very good right now, and yeah. so I think that you'll see the the winner of that game. If Texas gets by Oklahoma, I think they're in. Yeah, I think yeah. that the, the win against Alabama was huge for them, not just to be taken seriously, but I think they know they're good now. Right. I think how Texas played against Oklahoma against uh, against Alabama last year was a turning point in the Sarkeesian era. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Bo, we're out of time. Uh, where can uh, people uh, find out what's going on with uh, the podcast and everything? What do you got going on this uh, week, man? Okay, so we're going to have a pod late in the week. Uh, we did not record something earlier this week. I've been too busy business-wise. But uh, we're going to have some stuff later in the week. We're going to be hitting kind of previewing college in the NFL. Uh, we're going to be getting into some Major League Baseball as well at the playoffs here. So Ellen and I will be jumping around to a whole bunch of little stuff. Anywhere you, anywhere you find this podcast, you'll find our podcast, the Coach Bono's podcast. 
Uh, and you can always check me out at oagks.com for the O'Connor Advisory Group, all your financial needs, hit us up. And uh, you can always check us out there. So we appreciate everything. Thank you so much, Tyler. Well, thanks for the time as always. We'll catch you up next week. Yeah, take care, bud. Time for our Tomfoolery Story of the Week, where we tell you about something ridiculous happening in the world. And this time, uh, we turn our attention to Dylan Mulvaney, who, if uh, Dylan has not done enough already, uh, is taking things to another level. Listen to this ridiculous story. Uh, This is courtesy of uh, Outkick.com. Dylan Mulvaney thinks Bud Light's downfall is apparently something companies should attempt to model. As if uh, Dylan Mulvaney hasn't destroyed enough things, right? The Anheuser-Busch light brand beer has consistently been getting crushed since it partnered with Mulvaney for a March Madness promo that was posted on Instagram April 1st. In the promo, Mulvaney, a biological man, acted too stupid to understand sports while cracking open a Bud Light featuring the influencer's face. The backlash was swift, sales plummeted, AB stock tanked, People lost their jobs over the situation. Customers fled. Mulvaney's major takeaway isn't that Bud Light made a mistake, but it's that more companies should hire transgender influencers and stick with them. If you're going to ask us to capitalize on our vulnerabilities and our traumas, at least have our backs when the going gets tough, Mulvaney said during an interview at the 2023 Forbes CMO Summit earlier in the week, according to Fox News. Mulvaney also claimed that people who take issue with companies partnering with transgender spokespeople are simply bigots. Supporting and hiring trans people should not be political, and the people making it out to be, they're bigots, and we should not let them win, the transgender influencer uh, further stated in the interview, uh, according to Dylan Mulvaney there. So uh, that's the story, and... I, I, I got to say, this, this is moronic. Uh, this is just absolutely ridiculous and absurd. Uh, and no surprise to see this once again. I mean, uh, Dylan Mulvaney trying to claim that Bud Light did not stand by Dylan is, is ridiculous because, I mean, that started in April, right? April 1st. And it is the month of September. I have not seen an apology by Bud Light for how they handled things uh, in the direction they went and Anheuser-Busch and all that. It sounded like to me they stood by Dylan Mulvaney the entire time. Uh, it cost them billions of dollars. Their stock plummeted 20%. Um, they've never recovered since then. There are people that are not buying Bud Light that never will again after all that. Now, I mean, you got like Kid Rock, for example, who, you know, posted that video on on a line, you know, shooting up that Bud Light. And then a couple of months later, he gets seen holding the Bud Light. And then you had others that, you know, they gave up Bud Light, you know, so powerful of them and just started drinking Bush Light and Michelob Ultra instead to be too stupid to realize, oh, yeah, uh, same company, you know, as Anheuser-Busch and everything. Uh, with all that said... I, I, it's it's just ridiculous. Uh, you know, Anheuser-Busch stood behind Dylan Mulvaney. They, they made their bread. They stuck with it. And, and now to say that they didn't, um, Bud Light got what's coming to them. And, and here's the other thing. Okay. 
this is where I come at this, folks. Um, with, with all that was made of this whole marketing campaign and, you know, this marketing gal, you know, she ended up ultimately getting fired for this whole campaign, how it was handled, uh, and, you know, you know, all this. And, and, and Bud Light, you know, going woke, go broke, right? You know, promoting the, the trans agenda and all this and shoving down Mulvaney in our faces and all that. I mean, here's the solution for you, okay? I mean, Bud Light, let's, let's be frank. Bud Light is the worst beer out there. It is water, okay? It is gross. Um, I, I'm never paying for Bud Light. You're never seeing my fridge stocked with Bud Light before or after all this. The only time I'm drinking Bud Light is if it's free, you know, like... If it's there, that that's that's what Bud Light is there for. I mean, even among the the, the crappy light beers, you know, I, I'm not drinking that. You know, I mean, like I'll drink Coolers, I'll drink Miller, you know, I'll drink PBR. I mean, there, there's there's nothing like good old cold PBR. Just such a crisp beer, right? You know, I mean, it's cheap as hell, but you know, you know what you're getting. PBR, I'll drink any day. You know, I'll gladly. You know, sit around the campfire and drink me a good old PBR. But Bud Light, hell no. Um, bottom line, this is what I look at. Why doesn't Bud Light, instead of, you know, trying to get political, uh, no matter what Mulvaney says here or not, like, truth of the matter is that they did get political and they knew exactly what they're doing when they got into this. Why don't you just focus on making better beer? I mean, like, come on. Instead of like, oh, you know, how can we find new ways to market the number one beer brand in the country uh, and not try to reach this fratty demographic anymore? Uh, I'm telling you right now, it's your, it's your underage drinkers, it's your college kids. Those are the ones buying Bud Light, okay? That is your demographic. Uh, because your beer sucks. It's terrible, that's why you're you're going after that. De- you need to go after the demographic, because that's the beer they can get their hands on. Okay, so this whole idea, it was ridiculous from the jump, uh, because you know you alienated, you know your audience uh, to begin with. Uh, you need those people, and your beer just sucks. Why don't you focus on making better beer? I mean, if we were to sit here and think about it here. How many more beers would you drink before you would drink a Bud Light? Before you would ever even think about drinking a Bud Light? Uh, you know, Bud is just just gross. So, you know, Dylan Mulvaney, who, by the way, you know, I, I know that I've mostly grilled Bud Light and all this, but can we be can we be frank here about Dylan Mulvaney for a second? Uh, I don't want to see any more Dylan Mulvaney. Uh, I am I am sick and tired of Mulvaney uh, hopping on, you know, the screen, being all over social media. You know, you you guys say you're oversaturated with with Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift and all that. I mean, I could deal with them all day before I could deal with you know, you know, just this annoying, you know, weirdo, and Dylan Mulvaney, who, you know, it it's one thing for a biological man to to think that they're a female and all that, you know, like you do your thing, whatever. But this whole weird journey of Dylan Mulvaney pretending to be a, 
a little girl and, and growing up again and all this. And, and now, you know, like doing stuff on the, the New York Fashion Week, which is like the Super Bowl for models and everything. And the opportunities that Dylan Mulvaney has taken away and the bad influence. I mean, Dylan Mulvaney is, is just a disgusting human being. Just a, a, a awful person. And uh, to sit here and complain and to bitch uh, about Bud Light not standing behind Dylan when that's exactly what they did is just ludicrous, just absurd. So uh, I'm not drinking Bud Light. Uh, I wasn't drinking Bud Light before all this. I'm not drinking it now. Bud Light, you know, is the last beer I'd be drinking just based on taste alone. Uh, But I'm still not drinking Bud Light anytime soon uh, or ever. You know, like, I'm not not paying for that. Who would pay for Bud Light before all this? Uh, That's right. You're fratty college kids who you alienated here. And, and, And I'm not giving Dylan Mulvaney an ounce of my energy, too. Like, I'm... I'm I'm done with all that. Like, you know, it's 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 October now. We're still talking about Bud Light, Dylan Mulvaney, and, and the problems there. So, uh, it's getting ridiculous. But you know, as we've pointed out too, if you're going to boycott, though, for that crowd of folks, you got to be a little smarter than just drinking Bush Lighting and uh, Michelob Ultra. I mean, like, right. AB's still getting your money one way or the other, right? So, yeah, I'm 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 not drinking Bud. I can tell you that much, anyway. So, with that said, uh, we got to get out of here. Big thanks to uh, Will Scott for stopping by. Uh, love that dude. What what a fantastic dude Will Scott is. Very happy for him and all his success that he's doing. Uh, also, want to thank uh, Coach Bo for stopping by. You, the listener, as well. Subscribe to the show. New episodes out each and every week, wherever you're listening to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Uh, also, check out uh, us on social media, facebook.com slash Tyler Jones Live, facebook.com slash Studio Soapbox, uh, on X, at Tyler Jones Live, Studio underscore Soapbox, uh, and on Instagram, Jones underscore Report, Tyler Jones Live. You can find me there. Um, and then uh, make sure to be back here uh on the program next week. Check out the Studio Soapbox Network, this show, Coach Bo's show, Let's Go Racing with David Starr, and more. Uh, new podcasts out uh, each and every week on the network, and uh, we'll see you next time. For Coach Bo, Will Scott, Thomas Bridges, our entire crew, I'm Tyler Jones saying so long. It's been another edition of Jones Sport. We'll see you next week.